calling all girls, girls, girls. Get ready for a takeover straight from the heart of the city. You might think we're renegade, but you don't know that we'll never change. Song cry. It's the blueprint this week on Nothing Good. Once again, lovely intro, clever as always. Mr. Brown, good evening. Jeff, Mac, good evening. Welcome, good evening, audience, gents. to another episode. Um, how you guys doing? Uh, how you guys feeling? How you guys living? How you breathing? How's it going? Good to all of those. Very, very, very <laughs> You're breathing good. well. Good, yes, good. Sir. Very well. Good, very good. Very good. Yes, I, I, I find I breathe. I think I've said this on the podcast, this exact joke before, but I find like I breathe automatically. And only when you ask me how I'm breathing does trouble arise. <laughs> We're in manual mode now. So we'll see how long this lasts. I'll keep that question to a minimum then. Um, so today uh, we are talking about. Well, so, first of all, let's just preface this. Uh, as of the time the, the audience is listening to this, spring is upon us. Mm-hmm. It's getting warm outside. It's getting a little rainy. You can roll the windows down in the car as you're driving it down 376, put, putting up some music, turning the volume up. And what better music to play than Jay Z's Blueprint? Mm-hmm. Released in uh, what, September 11th, uh, 2001. Kind of a Ooh. big deal. It's a hell of a day to release an album. <laughs> um, this album, in my opinion, uh, is one of my top favorite albums of all time. Uh, not even so much like, oh, it's one of my favorite rap albums. It is my favorite al- rap album of all time, uh, easily, uh, without question. Um, for me, looking at all of Jay-Z's work, this is his breakout album. Now, to be fair, he's had, what, five or so albums previously that were, you know, went platinum, uh, sold really well, put him on the map. Happy was already a big deal before this album dropped, but I think this album cemented him as a, as a heavyweight in, in hip hop and in rap. Um, so I'm going to start. I'm going to put this question on the table. Uh, as far as this album's concerned, was the first time you heard the first single off of it? H to the Izzo. Mac? You know, it's so long ago, I don't even remember. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's when, you, when you talk about september 11th 2001 when this Mm. album came out you know um that's a lifetime ago for us now right i mean um that first single probably i mean i'm sure that the single predated that i didn't have the actual date of the release of the of the first single but i mean we're talking summer uh or just like summer after high school or you know right at beginning of college uh for me so um, but yeah, it's, I was trying to think back to actually when, um, I, I first heard it and I can't, I can't remember, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those songs that's just always been there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Noah. So I was racking my brain trying to think of when I first heard my first track off of this, uh, album. Uh, but before I do, 
I would like to ask a different question to everybody else to repose a question, if you will, is that instead of when did you first hear this song, gents, what are you drinking right now? That's the question. And I, I, I'd like I'd like Mac to start us off. Mac, what are you what are you drinking? Gentlemen, I know this is going to come as a shock to you because I've had a heater going. <laughs> it's been uh, it given it a good run. Or should I say I've given it a good rum? But uh, I am I am back to uh, finishing up what I got left of my uh, weeping radish. So I'm, I've got a nice uh, got the nice red ale going here tonight. So it's going to go ahead and uh, crack this crack this bad boy. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh, there you go. That was a very oh. sad. It was. It started <laughs> off so strong and then it finished kind of limp. Like a lot of things at our age. That that actually sums up, I think, the same thing going on with me and my when I first heard Jay Z's. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I mean, probably probably a parallel there. All Dark right, times. <laughs> uh, Jafar, what are you drinking? Yeah. So since spring is in the air, I like uh, pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Mm-hmm. So tonight I am drinking a hole punch pina colada which is a milkshake IPA with pineapple and coconut. Very nice. It's There's quite n- tasty. It's very fruity, uh, but quite tasty. There, there, I'm sure somewhere this is going to get back to Jay-Z when they're talking about the four guys from Pittsburgh that were reviewing the blueprint, and <laughs> one of them has a pina colada IPA with a whole bunch of things <laughs> that doesn't even sound like it goes into a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's like, let's just... Let's raid the bottom of your fridge. It's garbage night tomorrow. If it's still good, but we're not going to eat it, put it in this beer. Yeah, it's mm. it's not his status of a, as a billionaire. It's not the fact that he's married to the Queen Bee. It's Indeed. the fact that a man in Pittsburgh drinking a pina colada beer reviewed his album. That's how he knew he made it. <laughs> you got to start oh. somewhere. I am uh, I, I, I am going to go ahead and take over so that uh, Doc can can close us off i am uh having a glass of wine multiple glasses of wine tonight uh i'm having a starlight white blend from california 2017 is the year mostly because i bought it when it was cheap in 2017 and forgot about it in a box and then discovered it i'm like oh (laughs) i'm gonna drink it so here we are it's pretty good it's dry it's drier than i like i have to be uh admit i like dry um bold flavors in my beer i like straight up dark alcohols uh with if you put anything in there like a touch of splash or something but nothing don't sweeten it up but with my wine as i have said before i like it really sweet like really really sweet wine uh and this is not this is super dry it's drier than jeff Vandergrift. so i'm enjoying it though same way i enjoyed your farm I don't know what that means. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I like it. We'll figure it out. Uh, Doc, what are you having? Uh, So I'm just having uh, the last can of uh, Prototype 7 uh, from all the way back uh, in the Royal Rumble episode back in the archives. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it's West Coast uh, double IPA uh, with a blend of American hops. And uh, it's just as good as the first time I had it. Um, this will be like the last bit of beer I have. I only really drink when I record. Uh, so I actually have to start buying beer again. I finally like have a run out of what I had left off with my little variety six pack. Um, 
but it's good. I enjoyed it. It's just late enough that this will help me sleep well, <laughs> which is always a bonus. Yeah. Good mm -hmm. stuff. So, so um, your previous question. Yeah. When did yeah, I yeah. first hear Izzo? Um, yeah. At some point, it was around when the album came out. I know the, the song came out in late midsummer, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, and I, I would be very, I wouldn't be shocked if I'd heard it before then. But in that time of the event that happened when this album came out. Now, let me just make the one and only slightly 9-11 joke that I'll make on this episode. And it's that for a brief period of time on that fateful Tuesday morning, this album coming out was the most famous thing to happen that day. So enjoy that. But not anymore. Uh, that week, though, like it was a kind of a blur, and I watched a lot of like late night VH1 and MTV music videos because the sleep schedule was all messed up from things happening and like TV being dominated by it. And I saw the video at that time. I think it was that week or the week after. So it was definitely in September uh, that I saw it. It was banger, you know. But uh, but I can't pinpoint the exact moment. But it was it was early, so 2001. Let's say fall of 2001. Everyone shook their head at me, by the way, dear listener, when I set up <laughs> did. the 9-11 joke, which we wasn't really a 9-11 joke. Yeah. Yeah. We shook our head. No. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't like it wasn't a, a, a deal where we're like, oh, no, another 9-11 joke from Noah. It was like, no, don't do it. Wave them off. I don't think that was a bad. I don't think that was. Would that technically have counted as a 9-11 joke? No. no. There you go. You're fine then. No, I mean uh, you're seeing 9/11 jokes in in like popular culture shows now. Yeah, you know, like there's well, we have there's... crossed we have crossed the 20 year threshold, in which it... something something dark is allowed to be funny after 20 years. Is that is that the is that the un, is that an official rule? Is that the unofficial rule? I mean, it is kind of a rule by thumb. I mean, you have to think about when when something there's only a few things that still aren't funny after more than 20 years. Uh, but there, it is a general rule. I mean, the other day I made a joke about, uh, the Lincoln assassination, uh, about the last thing going through Lincoln's mind besides the bullet was probably how bad the play was. And my wife gave me the shocked face and I said, fucking what too soon. I mean, come on, there's gotta be a grace period. That's less than 150 years. Did your, I'm did your, did your wife decide to like check the corners to see if Mary Todd was like within <laughs> shouting distance or? <laughs> Uh, fun thing about Mary Todd in the Daniel Day-Lewis movie, she was played by Sally Field, who I fucking can't stand. So I say in that instance, and only that instance, I would fight Mary Todd. I'd fuck Mary Todd straight up. I never forgive Mary Todd for what she did to Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. But I digress. It's hard to, it's hard to forgive her for that, but I, I, I know where you're coming from. So mean. So mean. But you know what else doesn't mean? Jafar, when did you first hear Izzo? Oh, all yeah. right. I'm not sure how we got to Mrs. Doubtfire and back, but here we are. We'll get back there. Uh, that was how we got there. Yeah. So uh, if my research is correct, uh, the video for Izzo came out in August of 2001. And I think I recall seeing it on TRL, which is when I first heard, you know, this was the first track off of this album. I was pretty familiar with the five albums that came prior, although they weren't as commercially successful as this one per se, I think in, in the hip hop community, a lot of people knew that Jay-Z had the talent that he had, but they didn't feel like he really lived up to his potential. Although he was selling a shit ton of records at the time, he didn't really live up to his full potential 
until this re- record came out and they're like, oh shit, that's what Jay-Z can do. Yeah, uh, I, I full agree with that. And um, very specifically, uh, August 21st of 2001 uh, is when this was sing- released as a single. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, much like yourself, Jeff, I saw it on TRL. And I, rem- I to this day, I remember that video because it was one of the, I, I feel confident it was one of the first videos I had ever seen where it felt like it was breaking like a fourth wall almost a little bit. It was all those like outcasts was in it. I remember Destiny's Child. Yeah, that's the one with the parade float, right? Yeah, it was just yeah. so like yeah. it, 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 I remember sitting there going, "Wow, this is really." It was just really cool. I had never really seen a video like that before. And the the, the song's a banger. We'll get to that song eventually. But I just before we go to the first track, I kind of want to talk about just really briefly the impact this album had. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, just like two three points. Uh, one, uh, up until this point. You know, sampling wasn't as a big a deal in in rap as it has become now, and Blueprint kind of helped bring that back in, kind of get sampling back into the limelight. You know, uh, and not surprisingly, Kanye West was a big contributor to this album. I mean, yeah, uh, which leads to the other point: the impact is this helped put him on the map in a yeah. big way. Yeah, a completely um, unheard of kid from Chicago, Kanye West. Yeah, uh, you know, had this had he not given, been given the chance with Jay, who knows where he'd be? I'm sure his talent still would have gotten him into the limelight, but who knows? Um, some of my favorite songs actually are produced by Kanye West, to the surprise of no one, because he's so fucking good at what he does. Um, Insane no- he may be, but he's really good at what he does. Yeah, I was going to um, say nobody's really hearing about Kanye right now because he's been blocked on most social media platforms. <laughs> yeah. My my man is he's having a lot. He needs help. He he has he's have, he has a lot of issues, and I don't like to make fun of people with mental health issues. And he has them. He needs help. But yeah, like, neither here nor there. Yeah, you know um, we all we all deal with our divorces differently. You know, there's 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 a lot going. I think uh, yeah, I would love to cover Kanye specifically, uh, and I'd love to do an episode about the college dropout because that is oh, an incredible good fucking so album. Like straight so up. So. So in that and that is that is that is Kanye with something to prove Kanye, which was a, a completely different beast. Then here we are and the time of recording this in in uh, early 2022. And Kanye is I mean, when Kanye paints his entire body silver and wears like old Franciscan monk robes. And that was less ridiculous than the Kanye we got now today as we're recording this. There's he's been on a journey. So. Uh, but no, absolutely to, to kind of second your point there, doc, um, the sampling on this, I think is the identity of this record, right. And the unique sound that the blueprint achieves, uh, that it stands apart from any other record before it. And a lot of other records after it, even though many have come and tried to be the blueprint, uh, is in huge part to that sampling of the Motown and like that Harlem blues, vibe that was you know like let's take late 60s mid 70s down to earth songs let's sample them and let's let's reuse these hooks that were there Mm -hmm. is incredible and it just creates such a unique vibe that to this day you still hear a lot of rappers use that vibe i mean specifically i'm not trying to call anyone else's spot but i i'm a huge fan of j cole but i hear (laughs) and so much that j cole production that snare heavy kind of a almost like a marching band beat with that sample in the background you're like oh okay yep yep somebody yeah. was 
was was but a a young developing man when the blueprint. It, yeah. it, you could almost say that the blueprint was a blueprint for rap and hip hop hey in a lot of ways. You know, you know. Um, and, and last thing, and I think this is really important. Uh, and I know Jeff, you've li- had listened to some of Jay's previous work. Uh, and the one thing, even when I first listened to it, when I kind of fell in love with the album the first time, I noticed a big difference. Not just like you know the beat. But not even just so much the 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 openness that Jay Z is, but it's that there are very few featured tracks, very few. Like almost every other album he had had at least two or three featured tracks, some other artist at least, and that was just normal, right? Yeah. Blueprint comes out, he's like, "It's my show now." Um, he, he felt, I guess, maybe confident enough as a performer, as a writer, whatever, as a rapper or as a lyricist to or that his equity had grown to the point that he could basically have one feature track happen to be Eminem, not a big deal at all, uh, and just carry the entire album himself. You know, that's I think that's really cool, and I think that that really just again cemented his because this whole album is him basically saying, "Motherfucker, I'm here, and I'm come to take this. You're not going to stop me because I'm I'm that damn good." Uh, and with that we will go into The Roller is Back. Um, mm-hmm. This track is a got like most of the songs, there's a goddamn banger, right? <laughs> it starts good. It's got a good vibe to it. Uh, and, and actually, uh, this track is uh, a tribute to Slick Rick uh, and uh, the same name song, The Roller is Back. And there's a couple lines in this song that's kind of like a, a nod to different lines in the, the exact same song from Slick Rick. So, and that's, a, you know, an album from 1988 actually was I believe it was Slick Rick's debut album, actually, uh, which is pretty cool. Jay-Z really, really, I wouldn't say like idolized him, but he really appreciated the rap culture, hip-hop culture that came before him. Uh, he comes across a lot of times as this really self-centered, arrogant person, but dude uh, understands what came before him, and he would always pay homage to what came before him. Um, so that's, I thought that was really cool, and I didn't realize that. Uh, and I went back to listen to that song, and there's some interesting parallels, which is pretty cool. Um, but we'll start with Jeff. What did you think of this song? Yeah, so I, I love this song. It's a great start to an album. And uh, one of my favorite lyrics is right at the beginning of the song where he says, what you're about to witness is my thoughts, just my thoughts, man, right or wrong. And then he mm-hmm. just goes right into it. And so hip hop was there at a sort of unique time at this point in in the years because a lot of rappers who were commercially successful were considered sellout by the sellouts by the hip hop community and so Jay-Z was catch, catching a lot of shit from a lot of people because of the success of his first five albums and you know this song really sets the tone for the whole album you know he's sort of embracing the sort of the icon status that he's achieved you know, there was a lot of back and forth about, you know, between Jay-Z or not Jay-Z, uh, Tupac and Biggie. And when Biggie passed, it's like, OK, who who's going to take the torch for New York? Yeah. And Jay's like, I'll take it. And I think this particular song is him sort of proclaiming his his claim to that and and sort of proceeding forward as sort of an icon of hip hop. Absolutely. I think uh, it, it, 
the, the, the meat potatoes of this song is like you said, it's the, it's the assertion of his destiny. It's the assertion of what his perceived destiny is, you know, manifest destiny. He speaks it. So it's real. It, he's speaking it. So it's happening. Um, Mac, what'd you think? You know, I, I have this, I have this joke that I always like to tell people about country music. Um, I feel like a pro typical country music song always does two things. First off, at the beginning of the song, they always invite you on an adventure. They're always like, come on, come on, let's go. You know, they're always doing that kind of a thing. Uh, and then they always like to talk about their favorite pair of blue jeans and their best friend, which is a dog in the back of their pickup truck. Um, and, you know, Jeff, when you're talking about the beginning, I just I just kind of love where, you know, he's thanking everybody for purchasing the CD just yeah. right, right, right off the top, you know. <laughs> Uh, and I do agree with you, Jeff, too, just how the how the song kind of kicks off and just talking about how he's, you know, these are his thoughts. You know, this is what I'm feeling. If you feel if you've ever felt the same way, or you're feeling the same way. Come vibe with me. Um, and I, I just I just really enjoyed just that just that little kickoff there on the song in the beginning. Um, as I was going through this and I've been listening to this album as in preparation for this over and over and over again. I'm trying to think to myself, like, you know, when we're talking about the songs, you know, which songs are strong, which ones are maybe not as strong or anything like there's nothing fucking weak on this album at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as I talk about the songs on the album, I'm going to be repeating myself quite a bit, but it's, it's a fucking banger. It's um, I, I like how it kicks things off. Um, I wouldn't say it's maybe necessarily in my, like my top three or four on the album, but um it's 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 a solid track to uh to kind of get uh get started yeah and one one thing that's worth noting is so at, at the time of recording of the album jay was involved with some legal troubles uh mm -hmm. and he wasn't sure how that was going to go and he recorded the majority of this album in two days he just went in the, booth in the studio and just did it and just banged it out so if you think about how the 13 plus two songs are as sort of a, a start and a finish, just in the back of your mind, think about someone who was able to accomplish all that in 48 hours or less. Yeah. And, and, and to add on top of that, uh, which makes it even just a little bit more impressive. Uh, Sean Carter is, is known for not writing down his lyrics and just committing them to memory, uh, which is pretty fucking impressive for anybody to do. Uh, mm -hmm. on any musical level what regardless of the genre in my opinion uh but to be able to do that and put out such quality content quality music quality lyrics uh in such a short amount of time is uh there's a, there's a reason why you know they call him jehovah right i mean he's a god of brat i mean he really is um but what before i get to you mr brown i want to throw out here i don't know if you guys know this uh I didn't, also did not know this. I did a little research. Uh, in the last verse, there's the lines where he's talking about, you know, you know you're going to need a wide lens because it's a very big shoe. You, don't, you got a couple of beans. You don't have a clue. The situation is bleak. I'm going to keep it real because fucking with me, you're going to drop a mill because if you're going to cop something, you got to cop for real. That, all those lines are shout outs to people uh, associated with Rockefeller Records. So, for example, uh, when he says, Beans, couple of beans. He's talking about Beanie Siegel. When he says you don't have a clue, he's talking about DJ Clue. 
when he mentions your situation with Bleak, he's talking about Memphis Bleak, which is, you know, his protege. If I recall correctly, maybe it was, maybe it was uh, Beanie Siegel. I honestly can't remember anymore. Um, when he talks about dropping a mill, he's talking about a mill. And when he says, uh, you got a cop for real, he's about Pharrell Williams, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Little things that no one would really know. Uh, but you dig his lyrics, you dig them, you dig them, and then you, you, in, you inspect them, you analyze them. He says a lot, like a lot, a lot, which is, you know, I, I wouldn't print it out the lyrics to all the songs. I really wanted to really read because, you know, you listen to any song, you've been listening to the same song for 20 years, and you realize when you look at the lyrics, you totally had an entire verse wrong. Yep. Because it's just what you thought you wanted to hear. Um, but anyhow, I digress. Mr. Brown, what did you think? Uh, well, you know, just kind of add on to what all three of you had said so far. Uh, I think this song, the whole album, I really think reeks of identity and a change in his identity from an up and comer to the next big thing to it's almost like, you know, and I always hate to have every avenue of my life result to wrestling terms. Right. But it's almost like up until this point with this record, he sheds the gimmick. Uh, that was Jay and builds a new status for himself, like like taking up the crown, the ruler's back, because up to this point, he was just another voice, a great voice, a high selling voice in the crowd. But now with this record and this chance is it's his ability to stand above the rest, which is awesome because he does. And from this point yeah. forward, he's no longer the mid card guy. He's a, a through and through main eventer. He is. From this record on until to this day, he is New York hip hop is what he is. And yeah. in a world without Dr. Dre, he's the most financially successful rapper ever for multitude of reasons, not the least of which that he's really fucking good. And he knows how to say <laughs> a lot and have it seem so fucking casual while he's laying some unbelievable shit. I mean, he drops in the middle. First of all, I love the idea, like as Max said, that he, first thing he does out of character from anything he's done. He's like, hey, thanks for buying the record. And he's like, I'm just going to say some shit. Vibe with me if you feel it. And then he goes in to lay some shit down. He talks about Malcolm X and Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King in his first song and just kind of setting up the what was and what is now and what he hopes to be and take where he hopes to take hip hop. And it's so it, I can I can kind of in a way I don't give any credence to this actually but I kind of in a way entertain people's thoughts of Jay Z being a member of the Illuminati because he fucking calls his shot and he nails it every goddamn time right it's like ah oh, like the the idea that you you are basically stating throughout the course of this record and you start with this song that hip hop is going to be so much more. And so much bigger from a cultural and financial standpoint that you could ever possibly imagine when this record comes out. So here we are now, 20 years later, he owns not just an NBA team, but a goddamn stadium, right? Like he's royalty. He's American royalty. Here we are now as we record this podcast and it all starts. Yeah. And this, this is part of that journey. So I know that he still plays into the gimmick. Of, of arrogance for arrogance sake, which is still, it always has been a hip hop feature, right? The And it's and I think that's why we, why back to pro wrestling, why the NWO was so successful with their hip hop route, because you're basically being a bad guy that is so goddamn cool that you can't not love everything that they do, right? Someone mm -hmm. who's so arrogant calls their shots and nails it, looks badass, kicks ass, takes whatever they want, which is what a heel does, 
but and to play the heel, but to, but to also in that exact to open the record by being a baby face and then cut some heel. It's just fucking incredible. Um, I love it. I love the vibe. Um, in a world where a couple of other songs aren't on this record, this would be in my top five. But I think it just this, the record. This is a strong track, and the record gets stronger, like yeah. way stronger. Yeah. Right. So you can't. It's it's hard for me to say, you know, that this, this is a top five, but there is not there is no bad song on this album. So no, yeah. there's just there are just songs that you don't like as much. Uh, it's, honestly, it, it it and honestly, guys, it reminds me a lot of Hot Fuss. You know, there's just not a there's just not a bad song on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot Fuss, that Hot Fuss is uh, like uh, that. Uh, I, with this, I feel like this episode for a dear listener, dear midnight listener, dear Peru. Uh, Jones is not going to contemplate taking his life as we no. go through this podcast. It's no, not going to get. Not. It's not going to get as dark uh, with no. Jones in that case. I mean, you know, Jeff, you mentioned too how he's, you know, there. I think at that time he had two, uh, two things pending. Yep. Where where the police were concerned and everything, and I just love right in the middle of the in the first verse. I'm too sexy for jail. Like I'm right, said Fred. I'm not guilty. Now give me back my bread. Mr. District Attorney, I'm not sure if they told you. I'm on TV every day. Where the fuck could I go? I love he's just calling it out. Like, go ahead and try mm-hmm. to fucking throw me in jail. It's not going to happen. I uh, you know. I, I don't I don't mean to detract from this, but I just want to ask you guys. Has anyone, everyone here seen Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah. Right? We've all yeah. seen Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know that scene where Keanu Reeves uh, has that that orgy with those vampire chicks? And he yeah. goes in and he's all young and sprightly. I have it. I have it tattooed on my left shoulder. Beautiful. And then he comes out and he's all fucking old and his age infinitely. That was Jones before the hot fuss episode. And by <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, well, well said, uh, Mr. Brown, back to what you said about uh, the song. Uh, and, and for just because I want to throw it out there, my favorite line in the entire song, uh, you, and you actually had kind of shouted it out. You know, where he says, I'm representing for the seat where Rosebuck sat and Michael Max was shot and Mark Lucas popped. And it's, it's yeah, I mean, like the, the weight of the line is just, yeah, it is what it is. It's political in itself, but it's the, the deeper for me. And it all, you know, music is, you know, it's what you make of it. It's how you digest it. For me, it's just, you know, there's a number of times in this album where Jay-Z kind of makes reference to the inequities uh, uh, people of color have had in the music industry and how he's squeezing motherfuckers because of that mm-hmm. and because he can. And he gives no fucks about it and it and writes about it and puts it in songs that's on MTV, uh, which is really cool uh, and ballsy. Uh, but anyhow, speaking of ballsy, fuck, the, oh. the takeover. Listen, <laughs> and as a look, I was uh, I was what, 19 years old when this album came out. Uh, and I was really just starting to really listen to music like hard. Yeah, to this day, this song I get fired up because it's just it is a it is a it's a one two punch combination. It's a couple snap jabs and an uppercut every single time I listen to it. Uh, this track actually has been was produced by Kanye, uh, which is why it's got a goddamn vibe to it the way it does. Uh, you just feel it. It's it is it is the entire track, the entire song rather, is a is a massive this track uh, to. Uh, Mob Deep uh, to specifically Prodigy uh, and to uh, Nas, and I'll just get my thoughts real quick. I'm gonna let you guys kind of take the stage on this, but there is, n- I love this song. For a long time, this was my favorite song. Uh, 
Uh, and it's not because I fed into like the battle as they, you know, kids used to call it back in the day between Jay-Z. No, it had nothing to do. I could care less about that. It was the aggression. It was like the aggression mixed with the confidence mixed with like, just like, I don't think it was, you know, he said like, he, he says things so effortlessly and casually, but it would be so like a, a bitch slap to the face. Oh yeah. The whole way through. And Almost to the point where it makes you New York swagger to the point where you're just like, did he just fucking insult me? Yeah. You're not even really sure that he, he went there. Yeah. Because yeah. it was so casual. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that the, the entire song is fantastic. Uh, and we'll, we'll just go ahead and start with you, Mr. Brown. What did you think of the takeover? Well, I mean, takeover is fucking incredible. Uh, this is one of the songs that reminds me of something I've always said is that, um, if musicians were uh, Star Wars characters, I would be hard pressed to find a better Han Solo than Jay Z, because it is so so effortless with how much he doesn't give a fuck, while simultaneously being that good at what he does. Uh, my absolute my absolute favorite lyric on the entire record is in this fucking song. And it's it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, pen to a test, your chest in a line of fire with your thin ass vest. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your arms are just too short to box with God, motherfucker. And you are in the wrong. And it's so funny because if it was like, you know, it's it's like the 50 cent jaw rule thing. Like there's there's a clear difference in weight class there for talent. When that whole shit happened, you're like, I'm like 50. Do we want to take it easy on Ja Rule? It's, he's, he might have, <laughs> you know, like, kind of like, I feel like he, you know, might have been uh, fed, breastfed a little too long, you know, like, take it easy on him. But Nas isn't a fucking lightweight by any stretch yeah, of the no. imagination. Right? And this is, this is like, it's like a, like a kaiju fight, these two going at it. So it's, um, the vibe of this is, as visceral as Jay wants it to be without being Eminem levels of visceral, you know, which is its own level of, of anger. And, but for as casual as Jay is, he, it's like he chokes up on the bat, just an extra couple of inches for, uh, for the swing he takes on the song. I think it's just, a, it's a killer vibe. Uh, definitely top five in the record on here. Actually, as far as my ranking, it's number three on the whole album for me. That's a well played, man. And uh, before I get to you, uh, Mac, the the beat is sampled by Five to One by the Doors, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And uh, Karis One's uh, Sound of Sound of the Police. But I just what they were doing, what Kanye was doing, uh, just digging deep in backlogs, like fucking the Doors. Are you serious, man? Like it takes such like I I can imagine people sitting around with you know records, just listening to music trying to find something and then you hear this you know this drum loop or this bass line or something and you go this could work and then you get this you know uh i do also want to mention uh real quick my favorite line i'm just gonna get it out of the way because it's a little fucking long it's the last it's the last verse and it's it's the it's the, the line that like sold me on the song and it's just when he's talking about like you know don't bark at that tree the tree will fall on you you know he's he's laying his dick out basically here you know he's like i don't know why your advisors anymore warn you lee he's not jay he is not the play i don't slack a minute like he's basically i love it again when you're 
kid, when you're young and you're trying to find your, your, your voice, you know, you want to speak with your whole chest, you know, songs like this give you that confidence. Uh, and um, I do kind of want to point out, it's kind of interesting that, you know, back in 2001, he's shouting out, you know, Owen Sparks and Chris Meath, where the fuck are they now? I, <laughs> I remember yeah. Chris Meath. I remember the Young Guns. Does anybody else? Probably not. I think Jeff probably remembers them. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, what did you think, Mac? Um, as Noah said, this is probably so probably top three for me on this album. Um, the so you know, like so kids, kids, you know, kind of, kind of come on, sit close here to uh, to the guys here at uh, Nothing Good, where we remind you how music used to be presented in albums mm-hmm. where you actually had uh you know back in the day it was a record now you can get records again and then it went to cassette tapes and then it went to cds so at the time that this album come came out cds were the thing that everybody was really getting to digital was just starting but you know you'd walk into uh, an electronic store and two-thirds of the store was oh here's digital content or here's uh you know here's cds and dvds and video games and buy them right so when you listen to an album at least when i listen to an album i'd go all the way through right Mm -hmm. but every once in a while you know because you want to get the whole experience of the album first before you really kind of start to dig at least that's how i am but every once in a while a song comes on where it just stops you and you just have to fucking like i gotta go back and i gotta listen to this again Mm -hmm. or maybe you're listening to it halfway through and you go what you're not even realizing what you're getting yourself into and then you got to stop and go back and just kind of reset your mind because there's so much going on and that's what this song is to me i just i think in terms of the the production of the song um you know obviously it being a diss track i don't and and this is always why this episode's kind of tough for me too everybody is that when I listen to music and I listen to, you know, the the voice of the of the singer, you know, that to me is more of an instrument than it is to me necessarily paying attention to the lyrics. Right. So, um, you know, I, I kind of hear the musicality of the song uh, all together. And this fu- song just fucking just slams. It's so good. Um and I love, I love in the third, vo- in the third, uh, uh, the third verse when, um, as he's kind of going through the lines, you know, I know you miss it, Nas, the fame, you know, it just kind of come. I just fucking love that, man. Like it's, it's just so good, and it's just, it just fits so well. Um, your, your point to Noah, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight, you know, mentioning that lyric, mm-hmm. um, is one of my favorite too because. Um, this this when we're dropping this episode, everybody, uh, we're dropping this episode on my dad's birthday. So I'm going to go ahead and throw a little story out here about Jamie Mack. Everybody, if you don't mind, uh, just give me a minute here. Uh, a story my dad used to always tell me when he was growing up. Uh, they used to always play uh, football up in the cemetery at St. Bernard's because at that point in time in Mount Lebanon and everything, that's a big cemetery, everybody in the middle of, of Mount Lebanon. There wasn't a lot of people there yet. So there's just a lot of open fields. They go up there and play football and stuff. And, you know, as he did in like the fifties and everything in the sixties, you just, there are just a lot of, you know, fucking kids that just, you know, wanted to fight all the time. You had your clicks and guys kind of got into tussles and everything. And my dad was telling me the story about just one of those 
where they're up there playing football and these fucking guys that they always fought with was rolling up to them and everything. And they start some shit. And one of the dudes pulls out a knife and everybody's like, holy shit. You know, everybody's getting real fucking upset about it and everything, except like one of my dad's friends who fucking pulls out a gun. And my dad would always tell me when you fucking show up, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Right. So as as, as I'm hearing that, it's throwing that whole kind of thing back to me. Uh, about how my my dad would tell me that story all the time as a kid, and I always thought it was really kind of funny and everything. But um, mm-hmm. it it was a neat little sentimental callback to just kind of that kind of experience. But um, yeah, it's it's just it's such a it's just it's a great fucking song on this album, and I I I just I just love it. I just want to uh, just acknowledge that this really just cements in my mind that Jimmy Max is a goddamn gangster. So <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, the this I'm very fortunate that my dad and I had a lot of time to spend together uh, near the end of his life, and my dad told me a whole lot of fucking stories. You know, one day we'll ever have like a fucking if we, there's just a Jimmy Mac episode or something where we just talk about the shit my dad would go through. Um, there's probably a whole episode we could just do on like the stories he told me about being an uh, being in fucking Nazi Germany after World War II as an American soldier. Right. There's a whole fucking thing just there. But uh, but yeah, Jimmy Mack definitely uh, definitely um, traveled in circles that uh, that very few ever get to achieve. That's awesome. Mr. Vandegrift. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I fucking love this song. And I, I think it it in order to fully appreciate the song, you got to understand where it came from. So one is Kanye, who's relatively unknown at this point, comes in with these samples. And like Jones, you mentioned earlier, sampling had sort of gone away in mm-hmm. hip hop, mainly because it was so expensive to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jay's like, I got the money. I'm just, that's what we're going to do. And it it gave the whole album sort of this throwback feel, even though it felt new. Um, and this song in particular, you mentioned KRS-One, Sound of the Police, which is one of my favorite hip hop songs ever. Uh, so I, I love I love the feel of that in general. But this is a fucking angry song from Jay-Z. And, you know, it is a diss track. And specifically with Nas, there was years worth of beef prior to this song. But the song actually started, uh, Jay-Z did a freestyle at Hot 97 Summer Jam before the album came out and part of his freestyle was the majority of the third verse which is the shit he was talking on Nas so he's like everyone's like damn that fucking freestyle was a banger and he's like we should probably make that into a track and so it started with the first verse which is fuck everyone who's talking shit on me (laughs) to the second verse which is fuck prodigy and mob deep and then the third verse which is fuck Nas and then finish with fuck everybody who doesn't feel the same way that I feel, <laughs> uh, which, which I just love because it's so angry and it's so like, it's so aggressive, but it like, at the same time, you're like, I can fucking jam to this. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, but one of my favorite lyrics from this, uh, from this song is we kill you motherfucking ants with a sledgehammer. <laughs> like you could just, you could just feel the aggression. Uh, through the words, uh, I'll overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this song is a banger. And, uh, as far as the beef goes, Nas would respond with a song called ether off of stillmatic, which came out 
a few months after this, which is also a fucking banger. If you haven't heard it, I would highly yes. recommend it. But uh, it it goes down as these two tracks uh, are two of the greatest diss tracks ever, and essentially the beef fizzled out. But uh, it gave us a a moment of time and a viewpoint into where the mindset was. And I think we can all fucking appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, before we move to the next track, I just real quick, uh, just because again, like this, the, of all the songs on this album, I feel like this one has so much, like there's so much context to it. Like if you could just listen to it on face value and go, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I get it. I hear what he's saying. There's so much, there's a lot of little shit, little jabs in there that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily realize. And there's a bunch of them. Uh, I'm only going to point out one because I, I got such a kick out of it. Um, there's, in the, the third uh, verse, he says, um, matter of fact, you have the worst phone flowing the whole fucking song. But I know the sun don't shine and the sun don't shine. I didn't realize what that meant. I thought I knew what that meant. That did not mean anything what I thought it meant. What actually, so when he talks about how your bodyguards Uchiwali verse was better than yours, it's about this dude, Horse, who had a verse on Uchiwali Wally. Everybody heard that song at least once, once if you were born in the 80s and grew up throughout the 90s and early 2000s. It's a jam. It is what it is. Uh, Nas, in fact, did not have a great verse in that in that song. Uh, but um, the rumor was is that he insisted to kind of be like in a prom- more prominent role on that song. And so Jay's talking about, well, because he calls himself God's son. And he's like, yeah, but I know the sun don't shine and the sun don't shine. Right? It's just like, it's such a little subtle jab that if you, even, if, if you didn't even read the lyrics, you wouldn't catch it, which I'm reading. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then I did a little digger and I went, well, that's what he was talking about. 20 years later, it makes more sense now. Um, but we're going to go kind of skip on over to Izzo. Uh, which is the first single, as we established earlier, on this album, which is like such a happy ass song with deep ass lyrics, actually, um, that go way beyond. Like if you hear it, you hear the. It's like, oh, you know, it's got a nice soulful beat. You can bob your head to it. But he's talking about some shit in this song yet again. Amazing, you know, a great beat, great, just vibrant feel, good music, but there's a story being told. Um, Again, Kanye West, no surprise there. Uh, I, I feel I'm just getting out my, my favorite line, and it's simple as this. Label owners hate me. I'm raising the status quo up. That's it. That's it. Because like I said earlier, he's at that point in his career where he's made a lot of money. He's got a lot of power. Rock aware is a thing. you know, And he's able to basically make up his own numbers, make his own price. People want him on tracks. He can choose and pick and choose where he wants to be. And I think that's really powerful. Uh, you know, again, as a black man in America, uh, to be able to be that powerful uh, is, is a really special thing for me. Um, but, uh, Jeff, what did you think of this track? Yeah, I like this song. Uh, you know, obviously, it's one of the most commercially successful tracks on the album. And, you know, this album's sort of unique because. Uh, you know, it was a commercial and a critical success, but it sounds like it wasn't designed to sell a whole bunch of records. Like it was just like a way for Jay-Z to get out his thoughts. And, you know, this song in particular, it's, it's super catchy hook. 
The beat mm-hmm. is instantly sure. recognizable. Uh, it stands the test of time, even today. You know, my favorite uh, lyric is super simple. Can't leave rap alone. The game needs me. Mm. Yep. Same here. Yeah. I'll just jump, I'll just hop on there since that's my favorite lyric out of this song too. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's <clears throat> it's an iconic song, and it's a lot like some of the other reviews we've done. We're like, oh yeah, this is the hit off of this album. So it's one of the it's one of the if not the song that I've heard without my you know consent the most out of all the songs. So, but it's still, I mean, you fucking know it. Um, second and a half in as soon as it goes and unless there is a small child in the car chances are you're not stopping it because it's right. fucking incredible uh but i mean yeah this is this is one of those songs that is for the era right because i think i think this album is timeless in a way you know what i mean a lot a lot of ways but it also is very indicative of where hip-hop was at this time it still stands alone and it was going and if you said name the most 2001 song you could think of i would be really hard pressed to say anything other than is right or at least that would be on my that'd be on my if you're like no i'll make a 2001 playlist this thing's on there easy right it's one of the first songs i put on it that's because of the vibe of it at this time and and where we all were developing so i don't much more add other than it is it stands alone as if it's not the most commercially recognizable song off of this record, it it for everybody it is for most people, right? Yeah, and it, there's no way it's not. I, yeah. I feel you know it was actually this is the first time. Uh, I think this is the first single that he ever had like that, that hit like you know, I think uh, top ten showing on like the Billboard's top one hundred. That's a big fucking deal. Uh, so it's 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 very commercially and it it's very it's so good that they remixed it with Linkin Park. Like, it's a good song, you know, it's got a good vibe to it. And, and again, like, you know, the, the stuff that he's actually talking about does not match the music, does not match the yeah. in a lot of ways. He's talking about selling drugs. He's talking about dealing with the cops. He's, tell, mm-hmm. he's talking about, you know, the issues growing up, you know, in the projects. He's deal, talking about a lot of heavy stuff. He's, he's talking about his life, but you can't tell. Like, you can tell, but you can't tell because of just the vibe and the rhythm it's special it's a special song it's overplayed but i don't mind that it's overplayed because it's it's just a really special song mac what'd you think you know this so as i'm as as we're talking about this and I'm, i'm i'm thinking more and i'm listening to you guys i'm i keep thinking back to you know 2001 right summer 2001 august september october when when this song was being played and man, this song hit the suburbs hard, guys. You know, this song, this song hit suburbia and fucking suburbia just went for it. You know, this this reminds me of working, um, you know, at the rec center and hearing it being blasted up at the swimming pool, you know, or on a Friday night when I was working at the ice rink and uh, I'd be skating around for public session and this would come on the radio and you know, all the, all the little teeny boppers and everybody would just fucking go nuts for it. Right. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is probably the most recognizable song off the album. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting song too, because, you know, it's everything you're talking about Jones too. 
you know, in the second verse, everything about it is how he is basically calling out the recording industry uh, about all the disservices that are happening to musicians at this point, you know? And I, yes. I like, I like that that stuff kind of uh, everything he's kind of talking about because it, it, it really calls out his savviness as a business person, which is one of the things about Jay-Z I respect so much is how he was able to, he was never short-sighted on anything he was doing. There was always a bigger picture and then a bigger picture and then a bigger picture to, yeah. to move beyond just being a musician for the record labels and being an independently wealthy person who could, you know, ultimately affect change, you know, not just through his music, but, you know, in, in other areas as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great song, you know um, you know, I like when he's like, pay us like you owe us for all the years that you hold us. You know, yeah. um, it, it's just uh, it, it's 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 a, it's a good song. Again, you know, it's really hard when you talk about the album to be like, oh, well, this is a good song. Just like this is a good song. And there's going to be a little bit of a broken record aspect to this, everybody. But I mean, fucking listen to the album and everything is a great fucking song on it. So um, that's the anthem. Just get your damn hands up. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, <laughs> so next week we're going to talk about girls, 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 which I... <laughs> It's it's such a comedic song, but I love that there's a comedy song involved here. There's like some levity. There's some like, let's not talk about anything but the ladies out there. Um, this is the second single on the album. I remember that music video. And I remember just going, this is fantastic. This is Carmen so Electra. good. Yeah. Yes. Um, this uh, was produced by Just Blaze. And if, I, if my, my research serves... Uh, has uncredited vocals from Michael Jackson, Q-Tip, Bismarck, and Slick Rick on it. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time about the song because the song is literally what it is. It's just fun. Um, I think every young person, you're interested in the ladies, whether you're a, a, a man or a woman, you felt this song. And my favorite line, the entire thing, is a hypochondriac who says, ouch, before I whip it out. Fucking love that. <laughs> That's just, it's great. It's fucking great. Um, it's, it's, it's not deep. It doesn't need to be deep. There's some good lines in it. There's some clever lines in it for sure, but it, it, it is what it is at face value. It's just a really clever song. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, Mr. Brown, what'd you think about it? I know. I, I think to add into your, it's not deep, uh, worse, you know, I don't think you get too much of this on this record, but sometimes you go deep for the sake of just being deep, you know, and taking people down a trip. This is the song equivalent of being in the passenger side of your best friend's van. Try, no, oh, God. But, no, but you're, <laughs> but you're, you're, and, and you see, and, 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 um, you know, uh, we, we've come a long way as a society and are still moving in a long way as society, uh, especially as we approach masculinity. But there was a time when it was of the social norm for you and a bunch of your friends who were basically walking erections to get in a car and drive around until you saw people that were attracted to you. And then you would shout things. Now this is the song equivalent of shouting something at a girl and she actually shouts back. <laughs> That's what this is. That's what this, the idea you're like, ah, oh, ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I didn't have, a, I didn't have a follow-up for that, but it's a fun song. It's an absolute yes. fun song. Uh, Carmen Electra in this music video is fucking hot. I have this. I'm not. I'm going to save you what I have in my notes about remembering this song. But goddamn, <laughs> she is a fucking you, smoke show, you, dude. You, when this video, 
I mean, you probably wouldn't be able to read us your notes because they might just be stuck together. They could be. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't use paper and, you know, you got to keep wipes, screen wipes at all times everywhere that's, anyway. That's why it's even more impressive that it's stuck together. <laughs> I love but, it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, this is one of the songs on the album I distinctly remember the first time because I, I, oh, this is a great time for me to admit to you. I did not buy the blueprint in 2001. I got the blueprint uh, for Christmas in 2001. So I did not buy it of my own volition. I got it. I had heard many songs from here, riding around with my friends or listening to watching TRL or listening to the radio, but I had not, or even in the very, very early days of Napster and song sharing, excuse me, I think Napster might've been shut down by this point. We were on to some other way to steal music and ruin your parents' PC. But so I did not, I did not acquire uh of this album until then but yeah so this but this is distinctly one of this one of the three songs i remember having before i had the physical record cd in my hands uh of, of having my own knowledge of an identity and if you can imagine uh a 16 year old noah who thankfully i don't think anyone from the podcast that doesn't know me personally has seen my my face and how fat i am now but i used to be extremely like sickly skinny with extremely long black hair and and wore black t-shirts all the time so i didn't look like i knew all the lyrics to girls 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 but god damn it in 2001 i absolutely <laughs> fucking did <laughs> that's awesome all right uh mr Vernon griff what about you man yeah th- this is a fun song and it, it it goes to show on an album with so much serious content that you have a chance to not take yourself so serious and it's basically like a play on all these bitches be crazy, right? It doesn't matter what kind of chick he's talking about. They're all fucking crazy in his right. story, in, his, in the story that is girls, girls, girls. It's a fun song. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the guest vocals because I was going to bring that up too because nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. No. R.I.P. Biz Marquee. That's right. Uh, well, Mr. McDonald. You know, coming in here um, at this point, again, just kind of repeating, it's it's just a fun song. I mean, reading through reading through the lyrics, you know, I, I did this in stages, right? So I listened to the album, just, you know, everything together. Then I listened to the album with the lyrics, and then I just kind of read through all the lyrics. And this song is just so fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in terms of how he kind of puts everything together, you know, <laughs> Now that Spanish chick, French chick, Indian and black, that's fried chicken, curry chicken. Damn, I'm getting fat. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> it just it's just fucking funny, man. Um, there's just so many great pieces, you know, pieces to this, too. Uh, the stewardess chick getting frequent flyer mileage from a stewardess chick. She gives me extra pillows and the seat back love. I had an introducer to the mile high club. I mean, it's just it's just fucking fun, man. And yeah. it's uh, and I think in in terms of you know, where it's coming on the album and, and what we've been getting up to this point where this track is, I think it's a nice way of kind of just settling everything down at this point. You know, there's been a lot of things uh, that he's been talking about in the previous three songs. And in this one, it's just, it's just fucking girls, girls, girls. Right. Um, yeah. And every time I hear that too, I just kind of think of girls, girls, girls. It's kind of just, as you go through the ages, right? You're able to 
just kind of that that message just translates. Plus, is there a better song that has a Deuce Bigelow reference? Nope. I can't think of one. No. No. Deuce uh, Bigelow can't either. <laughs> and and as a, a general spoiler alert uh, for me, uh, well, although I do like this the song a lot, uh, I think the the hit and track version is far superior, way better, yes. more yep. enjoyable on every fucking level. I, that's a fucking jam compared to this one, and that's saying a lot. But before we switch to the next song, I just want to real quick throw out there that I'm actually pretty impressed that none of you motherfuckers mentioned this. Uh, I don't know how many of you actually like. Rick, I know Mac, you said you looked at the lyrics. Oh, I'm on uh, it right now. I know exactly where you're going on it, Jones. I, fuck, I know exactly where you're going. I got a check from Peru that snips Peru. And we, as we all know, Peru <laughs> is another word for cocaine. And I'm just like, man, I read that and went, that's what he was fucking saying. Shit. <laughs> so, like, as a whole other level <clears throat> layer to our Peruvian Succulent Peru. Show. Does that change the, the meaning of the t shirt now? Yes. <clears throat> Succulent crew is, <laughs> yes, is even more succulent it and even more expensive. Does. Yeah, I oh should charge God. a couple hundred dollars more for the T-shirt now. You know, Jesus. Let, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, but let's do uh, uh, the next song, Jigga, uh, which is apparently the third single. And I have no recollection of this being the third single. Yeah, I don't. I, I think don't at either. that point, I, I think third single probably it was probably like the following year, well into the next year that this that was the third single. Um, this song uh, is a it's a real fun song. It's another song where he's just kind of like talking his shit, talking about how good he has it. I there's like probably three songs on this album that like I they're, I mean they're they're fine they're enjoyable. I won't necessarily skip them, but if I'm going to skip one, it's this is one of them. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. Um, there's a lot going on in it, but I've never really been a huge fan of talking shit for the sake of talking shit. Like I like when he talks shit, but there's some, there's, there's a reason for it. And I feel like this song is just literally him just boasting the entire time. And, and that's cool. You know, a summer night, roll the windows down. I can hang, I can hang with that. That's cool. I mean, I do like, you know, what, what, what is it? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I'm killing them out there. They're, they're needing first aid. Cause the boy got more sixes than first grade. And, it's a stupid line, but I like it. It's fucking funny. Um, it's, it, it is just kind of what it is. It's just one of those. I'm a, I, it's not a filler track, but it, to me, as the audience, it feels like one. Uh, but uh, Mac, what'd you think of it? Um, yeah, it's it's again not necessarily one of my one of my favorite songs on the album. I think uh, you know there's a couple coming up here that I that I particularly like that coming afterwards, um, you know, again, changing the, changing the vibe on, uh, on the album. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of look at it though, that, you know, when you get to a certain point of, of success, you know, I, I think it's hard not to, not to have it kind of come into different areas of your life. You know, your success becomes a part of you in a way that it never really was before. So, you know, even though Kenny, as you mentioned, Jones, you know, just, you know, saying shit just for the sake of saying shit, you know, I, I also kind of say, like, well, you know what, if I had shit to say, I'd, I'd say some shit. But, you know, <laughs> nobody nobody's going to be that interested in my 12 days of Pringles rap that I'm going to go ahead and, and drop on everybody because, you know, uh, people can relate, but probably not the people that I would want to relate to it. So it's, you know, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, uh, I don't really have anything, uh, necessarily to, to kind of say beyond that. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good track. I, I like the beat. I like the chorus a lot. Um, I like how, I, I like how it kind of moves, but you know, not, uh, not my, not my favorite, but not the worst either. Agreed. Uh, Jeff, what about you, man? Where, where are you on this? Yeah, I'm sort of, uh, in the middle, I'd say. Uh, so this is one of the few tracks that weren't produced by Kanye or just Blaze or Bink. It was produced yeah, it was by, the tra- by the Trackmasters. Yeah. Uh, I like the hook. I think it's pretty catchy, and it, it it's one of those that gets stuck in your head. Um, it's it's sort of braggadocious for the sake of being braggadocious, which mm-hmm. is which can be off putting, I guess. But uh, one of the lines that I love is, "He did it again." Haters no like but they got to fuck with it. Cause my flow's so tight. And I'm like, man, right. he's right. <laughs> right. He Man's not lying. <laughs> hey, Hey, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. How tight? How tight? Real tight. Oh man. Oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Mr. yeah, Brown, I, how about you? yeah, I, th- oh, I think sorry, overall, please. overall it's, it's, it's a solid track. It's not in my top five, but it's not in the bottom either. No. Right in the middle. It's hard to, it's hard to find one that's going to be at the bottom. It, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, there isn't uh, a bottom. Brown. There's just maybe a middle. It's just the middle. <laughs> Everything's in the middle. <laughs> just, just there's right here. There's here, and there just is no here. Mm. Uh, you've been trying to throw to me for a minute, Doc. So I'll just hop in here. Uh, hop in. No, yeah. So first of all, um, shout out to the Trackmasters, Poke and Tone. I mean, legends for what they, you know, Mary J. Blige. LL Cool J, right? Like some of the some of the tracks they produce are just absolutely great. But I would agree with everyone's sentiment. I, there is no bottom of this record, right? There is only songs that kind of strive to be closer to the middle. And if there is a middle on this record, that the songs that hover around it, I think this one would be there. Um, I think it suffers from a lot of other stuff that we've talked about in our music albums of where it is on the record uh, because you're coming off a real strong start. Right. You've already got girls, 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 which kind of is the song you don't really take serious. And then the next three songs after this are my favorite three song stretch on the entire goddamn record. It hits such a strive after this song that it's just kind of mm-hmm. like uh, it's it's really hard to to lift this one up the way you you lift the next couple up. Uh, but it's me it's the song equivalent of sitting on your throne after you've you've taken the, and you're just now you're just sitting there leaning back on the throne talking shit right there really isn't a purpose other than just you can say it because you're the king so so you say it and no one's going to argue with you but there really isn't a lot to say that he doesn't already say on the record it's just jay so he says even if he's you know i don't don't have to use the word you know hyperbole but if he's regurgitating hyperbole it's he's allowed to because it's jay you know so yeah, if there is a if there is a low point on the record, if there was, this song would would exist in that little tiny little sliver. But it's only because of what comes next that it, it doesn't. It's ultimately inconsequential. I yeah. should have forgotten that um, it was a single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think you kind of in your explanation, Noah. I, I think you kind of mentioned a good point here. Is that you know I I agree with you. I think the next three songs are so fucking good. Um, maybe this is exactly the right place for the song yeah. because you have that strong start 
And then you kind of need to have just that, you know, in a weird way of singing interlude, but you just kind of have to have, uh, there's just got to be a point in something. I mean, you're not going to tack that on at the end and it's not going to really interrupt like the first four tracks or anything. So maybe it is just kind of the right place to kind of have that. Um, and as you were saying too, you know, like, what do you do after you take the throne? I was, as you were saying that I'm thinking, you know, I never really thought about like what happened after Luke and Han got their fucking medals at the end of a new hope. Like they're all just <laughs> standing there and it goes to credits. Like how long did they stand there? You know, when did, what did, when did they decide to leave? Was there an after party? Did they serve hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> the was, after party was, was crazy. Was fucking Chewie even invited because they just completely ignore his contribution to the whole thing and don't give him a fucking medal at all. What were the droids? Like, you know, that's it's it's kind of funny that you said that. And I kind of thought through and it's like, you know, nobody ever th- sits there and thinks in any type of entertainment or pop culture. Like once like the fucking grand finale happens and you're sitting on the throne, what do you what do you do next? What's what's next? Or do you do we all line up to do uh, body shots of blue milk off of Porkin's body? Or wh- what do we do? Do we, do we just <laughs> which is a really deep new hope <laughs> reference? <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what. Somebody um, somewhere got it. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. Um, so to move away from that, um, <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> let's move to that now. This okay. That, okay. So my my journey and the experience with this album, I had had multiple. This is my favorite. No, this is, and it changed over the years, which is so rare that I constantly change. Oh, this is definitely my favorite track. This is for sure. The original, my favorite song was this one. You don't know. Like, on a thematic level, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but this is the song kind of where it is like a shift in tone from braggadocious, you know, talking your shit. This is what I've got. And there's still that obviously sprinkled in, but it shifts to fucking problems relationship issues, familial problems, emotional problems, thoughts in your head, problems with other fucking people. The entire, and I love that that's a shift. It's like a story. It's like a whole new chapter is opened up and just his thoughts, right? So You Don't Know, it was my favorite song initially. Like first listen, I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. This is fucking amazing. Inject this into my veins. So good. this is a just blazed track. Um, I think I don't think there's really anything wrong with this song. My favorite line is a bunch of favorite lines, but my favorite, probably my all absolute favorite, because it's so simple, but it's so clever, is you know, I sell ice in the winter, I sell fire in hell, I'm a hustler baby, I sell water to a well. Or, or does he really mean whale? Because you can go either way. Um, I think the song is amazing. Uh, the beat is fucking great. You feel it. It's soulful. You bob your head. You fucking want to move when you hear this shit. And he is talking so much shit. He's saying so much about himself, what he's able to do anywhere. But you know what? Anyone God's going to go trip on my work, motherfucker. I love that. It's just, again, it's aggressive. Um, and we will start with the aggressive Jeff Vandegrift. What do you think <laughs> of this jam? Uh, I'm not aggressive. that aggressive. I, I do really like Listen, this song. Jeff, I had drinks with you. You're aggressive. Jeff. Jeff, what you don't fucking realize what happens when you've had one beer too many. Yep, you get aggressive. You do yep. like you have no fucking clue 
what happens. And we all know See, when you've had the right number of beers when that happens. That, mm-hmm. That's where you're wrong, because that's where I shift the narrative. I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> all, I'm, in, I'm in complete control, motherfuckers. Uh, all, the, <laughs> all, all of Jeff's fucking censorship. It's a like, work. It's it all, all work. just drops at that yeah, point. It's all it's all a work. But anyways, uh, you don't know. You don't know shit. Uh, I love this song. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the album, but I do uh, really like it. Uh, and Jones, you stole my thunder because my favorite line on the entire album is that I sell ice in the winter. I sell fire in hell. I'm a hustler, baby. I sell water to a whale. I think it's whale. Maybe it's well. Either way. It, it goes either, works either way. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I it's open for whale, interpretation. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one of my favorite. Uh, lyrics on the entire album uh, but it's just a great song from start to finish and it the chorus is like just subtle enough where it's not overly aggressive like some of the other tracks but uh, start to finish it's a banger I like it for sure Matt what do you where are you at on this I'm, I'm I'm right on fucking par guys I mean Jones your your description is exactly everything that I wanted to say um, hearing this song, like you said, just, just fucking, just, just, just inject it right in this, the, the whole track, uh, just fucking bangs, um, Jeff again. And, and you guys both said it, it's, 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 I had this too. It's my favorite fucking line in the whole album. I sell water. I sell ice in the winter. I sell, I, I sell fire in hell. I'm a hustler, baby. I'll sell water to a, and I've heard both. I've sell and I originally thought it was well. And then, you know, I hear whale on it also. I was born to dictate, never follow orders, dick face. Like, fuck you. Yes, please. Absolutely. fucking Um, Yeah, I, I don't have a lot more to say that you guys haven't already said. It's. Uh, I think this is one of my top two in the album, honestly. Uh, and like I said, my favorite, my favorite line in it, too. I just like everything about the song. I like the whole. I like the beat. I like the vibe. I like all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Brown, where are you at? Uh, this is so it's interesting doc that we have like a like a reverse sentiment about this song because when the album came out uh one of the later tracks was my when because uh, it was one of the first songs that i had heard from the record i was my absolute favorite it was my absolute favorite until i was on christmas break and i was listening in my room and this song came on and it became a toss-up and then years went by and I didn't really put this song back on. And when we started listening back to this album for this episode, this is the song I, I did and have listened to the most. This song is so fucking incredible. And it starts such a, a streak on this record with this mm-hmm. that it is fucking incredible. And yet the goddamn lyric about selling ice in the winter and I sell fire in hell. I always thought it was whale. I'd be fine with it being well. I don't, uh, I mean, uh, from a rhyming standpoint, well makes more sense, I guess, if we're going to argue the semantics, which is literally what that would be. would be mm-hmm. arguing semantics there, but dear God, this song is, oh my God, it's so good. It is such an unbelievable vibe. Like if every EA fight night soundtrack that ever came out was basically <laughs> trying to just play this song on fucking loop is what it was every song on every one of those games which are all great soundtracks by the way all just want to be 
this song. So it's fucking incredible. It's my absolute favorite song on the record. And it starts the three songs that this starts are just, they just don't stop. It just goes so fucking yeah. good. It's, this it's is a what, fucking streak. Is this is where the point, because this album starts off so good, right? And then you take a dip, no disrespect, with Girls, 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 and Jigga, that where you you kind of hit like, okay, and like just like Hot Fuss did, and some other records do, albums tend at that point to maybe sometimes toast down. This doesn't. It goes straight back up to the top, and that's what makes this an iconic record, is that just when you're, when you're settling in and you think he's resting on his laurels, he doesn't, and he starts turning out some shit. So yeah. fucking top marks. Love the song. Yeah. This fucking song is fantastic. And uh it's funny how time changes you and stuff that songs that you're like, oh, this is my favorite song. And then you just get older, you have more life experiences, your perspective on things change, and you're just like, ah, yeah, I mean, this is still tough, fucking three or four, whatever, but you know, something else is just so much better on for totally different reasons. And I love how this the song, what he's t- talking about. Right. He's talking, you know, the first verse just talking about like the streets and the violence, you know, the stuff that he had to go through and how he overcame this and how people said, you can't fucking do this. He's like, sure, I will. You have no idea what I can do. Uh, I just think it's again, he, this this album should not be called uh, fucking blueprint. It should be called talk your shit is what it should be called, <laughs> honestly. Um, so we. There, there's 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 a great story behind the song too you know um you know the beat came from a um like a, a competition that um you know kanye and just were having they're mm-hmm. having like a beat session where um you know they'd record in a small room and doing beats and like just would peep his head in and hear what jay and kanye were doing and then go back mad and they would just like fucking do that every day and just keep going back and forth um and then like when this fucking it was he said it was like a heavyweight slugfest for for like three days they were just doing that to each other until this came and they're like oh fuck and then it just that was it you know yeah um and it's interesting too because you know he uh jay even said too in an interview later on that because this was done in such a, a short period of time they knew they had to get it out right away and they didn't rush through you don't know but they wanted to do more with it you know, they realized that there's still more to the song they could have done and almost kind of and I think they did a remix of it, um, I believe, later on. Um, mm-hmm. But it'd be kind of interesting if this album wasn't made in two days. What what could have happened with with this track overall? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement that the, the, it's funny, like I, not knowing initially the, the, the history behind the song or the, the story behind the song. And then you you read about it and how like what you know knowing that they went and remixed it, it's like I can hear where the song's not it doesn't feel empty it feels like there's there's more potential to it it feels like there's more to it there's more meat on that bone basically so I'm glad they did that uh, so this song this next song produced by the one and only Timbaland Ola Ovito. Uh, what can you even say about this shit? Like, this fucking song is no goddamn joke. Nope. Uh, it is absolutely a, it's a blast. The whole, the, everything about the song just goes. Uh, yet, yet again, Jay-Z's in his, in the, he, he's in his peak, he's in his prime, talking his shit, you know, talking about himself. But he's throwing out there, like, you know, 
people maybe hating on him, issues that he's having with people, but he doesn't matter because you're all my motherfuckers anyhow. You know, friend or foe, doesn't really matter. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Favorite line in this entire thing, hands down. Actually, one of my favorite lines in the entire album. Um, Temper short, don't take much to squeeze you out. Yeah, you shine, but the only thing you're leaving out, you're a candle in the sun. That shit don't even out. This motherfucker just referred to himself as a celestial body. <laughs> and that takes some shit. That takes some nerve, man. <laughs> I, I love, I just, it's just a fun song. And it, it is funny, not knowing that it's Timbaland, you can hear that it is him. Yep. It's 100% him. And I love that it is. Because not every track has to have that soulful feeling to it. And that's important. I mean, um, yeah, from the intro. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 there and it's like oh uh, god you just I just I don't know why but hearing this back as soon as the song started I just pictured Timbaland standing there in the back of uh behind the glass doing his his little shuffle his little Timbaland shuffle that he does and every goddamn time you ever see him with his hands not moving more than three inches apart from each other uh excellent shit excellent shit yes well, it, keep keep on going, Mister Brown. You might as well. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, going, since I man. since I drop kicked you on your your segment, yeah, here, no, please. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is uh, to me. This is like the 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 three headed hydra of the record. These three songs in a row, and this is the middle one. And it is it is so it is a complete song, is what it is. And it's because this is like Timbaland's one <clears throat> full chance to wrap up in this iconic album. He doesn't waste a shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's got a whole a whole vibe to it. Um, I don't know why this song makes me think of Grand Theft Auto more than any other song in this record, but this is like... I can take that. Yeah, like you're just driving around, doing all the long driving you're doing uh, when you're playing GTA, and this song pops on on one of the radio stations, and you, you turn your TV up a little bit louder, and you're just kind of feeling... I just, I just, I love the vibe. Like, this is this is so good. This is so good. Yeah, I lost. There's <laughs> like so many subtle jerking off references in this song too, which I fucking love. Off you, yeah. Are are. <laughs> Coming out of the bathroom, like he That's had a lyrical like stop. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mister Vandergrift, where are you at on this? Yeah, I I love this song. It's a banger. Uh, it's a Timbaland track through and through. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was the hottest producer at that time. So it was a big deal a to get him on a track, but also like give the other guys their their spot to shine, which is why he only did one track. Um, but th- this song's a banger through and through. Uh, one of my favorite lines, and I'm gonna censor myself uh, because of the content. I'm the compadre, the Sinatra of my day, old blue eyes, my jigga, I did it my way. That, it's so good. Y'all not rolling with hope and hit the highway. Fucking mm-hmm. love it. So, so good. fucking good. Um, it actually, and it's funny. Like my favorite line is the line that I said, but uh, in reality, if I could say my favorite line is the entire last verse is my favorite fucking line. <laughs> Honest to God, that's fair. Like, nah, motherfuckers. I love it. it. Just fucking goes. Um, but anyhow, Mac, how you feeling? I mean, again, um, the, 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 the back half of this album is just so strong and, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this, of this group of tracks that are just, that are just awesome. Um, 
you know, I, I didn't, I didn't go as deep into this one as you guys did in terms of Timberland, you know, producing it uh, as you guys are talking about it. And I'm thinking back to the song and it absolutely makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a great track. Um, again, I really enjoy it. I, I don't have a lot really more to say beyond that. I didn't have a whole lot of notes on this just because, um, I don't know. I just didn't really have a whole lot of notes for this. I just really enjoyed it. So, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But no, I, I, I agree with everything you guys said here. Um, I, I, I like when, you know, he's talked, you know, obviously the, a lot of the, the references for, uh, his genitalia and everything, uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is that. Uh, and before we switch to the next song, uh, I just, I, I love, and it's kind of, you know, a shout out back to what you said a while back, Jeff, about how when Big uh, passed away, you know, the question was, well, who's going to take over New York hip hop? I mean, then that line he, he, towards the end, he's, you know, that, that third verse, he says, you know, if you haven't heard of Michael, Magic, and Bird all rolled in one because none got more flows than Young, plus got more flows to come. And if I'm better than Big, I'm the closest one. Fucking. <laughs> He at the time, the acknowledgement is a big deal. That. Yeah, it is a big fucking deal. You know, to to approach the throne like that and then be like the idol of New York hip hop is a big deal. Uh, but you know what else is a big fucking deal? Heart of the City is my favorite song on this entire album. It's so fucking good. Of this year, it's so fucking know. good. Listen, I don't know if there are very few rap songs. I've ever listened to in my entire life. I listened to a few uh, that the beat is so heavy or complicated or fucking well composed, whatever. That I I find myself just listening to it and not what he's saying because Heart of the City is I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just lyrically, I think it's fantastic. What he's saying, everything he's saying. There's a lot he's saying in this song, um, but he, he presents it in such a, I wouldn't say lighthearted way, but kind of lighthearted way, which is kind of cool. But the beat, "Sweet Baby Jesus," um, "Can I Live?" I told you '96 that I came to take this shit, and I did. Handle my biz, I scrambled like Randall with his Cunningham, but the only things run his numbers, fam. Jigga held you down six summers. Damn, where's the love? I am down with that. This dude, this when I was a kid, when I was 19, that fucking series of lines of, of, of lyrics, that shit got me. Because, like, I remember Reasonable Doubt. And I remember that was he was saying that shit then. He was like, I'm going to take this. This is, this is me. A lot of rappers say that. But this dude did it. And he did it on his own, effectively. Not on his own, but... He did it on his own merit. He did it on his own skill. Uh, I think the song is amazing. It's not even that long, but it's so good. Uh, the other line that I really like is, um, what you eat don't make me shit. Where is the love? Like, we all know that. We all know that feeling. Someone's jealous of you. Someone's, you know, maybe hating on you a little bit. And, you know, like, why are you, why are you worried about what I'm doing? Uh, I, I just dig this entire song beginning to end. It's amazing. Uh, but I digress. I'm talking too much. Uh, 
Mr. Brown, where you at? First of all, you can never talk too much. Doc, this is a fucking podcast. It's the whole well, goddamn point of it, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, the beat, if in a world where you don't know isn't on this album, this is my favorite song. This is number two on the record for me. Uh, the most iconic beat on the record to me, the sampling, and it's such a good vibe that if you were like, oh, Spotify has this just for 10 minutes over and over and over again. Like, oh shit, let me add that to a goddamn playlist. Just just the beat from Heart of the City. Um, I fucking love it. I love the vibe. I love that it is very because I think of the nature of the sample on this song, it's very retrospective for Jay, right? And it takes it back to like a whole along the journey. And he, he, he references the Fugees breaking up and he makes a joke about Richard Pryor catching on fire, which was topical to a time back when kids, Richard Pryor was a comedian. That was the absolute <laughs> really, really most, funny one. most famous I, comedian on earth for a I, little while. I hope, I hope we don't have to explain to anybody listening to this podcast who Richard Pryor is. Well, because if we do, I feel like, I feel like we failed as a society. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And then he makes a, con- a joke about Ike and Tina Turner. But yeah, my absolute second favorite lyric on the on the entire record is the end of that verse, and it uh, it's just one line: "What you eat don't make me shit." Where's the love, right? It's just like yeah. so fucking cold and so good. <laughs> it's, <cold>. uh, <laughs> it's so good. Like this, the, these three songs, man. You don't know, and Ola, and this is just uh, it's it's a fucking triple threat. It's the three headed Hydra on this album, and the, the album doesn't. Is, is still great after this and so uh, there's another especially killer track two of them coming up later but uh but this like this right here normally when you get to the middle of an album uh you're starting to hit a lull you're not hitting the apex which is where you are right now with this song and it's uh absolutely incredible tune heart of the city um before i listened to this album back for the review this was still on my my jay-z playlist it's incredible. It's iconic, and it always will be. Yeah, agreed. And 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 I forgot to mention this is a uh, this is a Kanye West track to this again. The surprise of no one. one. Uh, and actually, this that beat was originally for DMX. Uh, and I don't know. It's going to have R. Kelly singing on it too. Well, apparently that did not work out. It fell through, and it ended up. I'm glad that it did. We don't want R. Kelly <laughs> touching shit. Anyhow, uh, Matt, I mean, he literally does, though. I mean, that was like his well, thing, right? Part of that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, just true. Well played. He <laughs> can touch Mac, though. <laughs> Mac, I mean, send it to you. Who's who's touching <laughs> me? Are we talking about R. Kelly touching me? Are we talking about DMX? We're talking about R. Kelly golden showers. Oh, Christ. Again, yeah. in your mm-hmm. dining room. This happened two times, guys, and we said we we're never going to bring this back up. <laughs> Fuck. You have you have one crazy night in a bathroom in Hofbrau House, and your friends never fucking let you forget about it. Uh, uh, I'm not looking at you, dudes. I'm looking past you. I I I I love the fucking vibe of this song and just how it's you know he's he's kind of contemplating on his success and where he is in his success. You know where you're. He's referencing a lot of these groups that 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 peaked and then broke up or you know that had things that that they kind of fell from grace and you know pretty much with with almost anybody in entertainment any way shape or form 
not the nothing good crew and the nothing good podcast because we haven't quite uh, hit that pinnacle yet. But, you know, you you have your rise and then you have a gradual, you know, potential fall. And he's at the point where, you know, he's kind of he has success. He has, you know, he has the clothing line. He has the album success. He has, you know, the platinum records. Where do you go? You know, how do you take it to the next level? And how do you contemplate people coming at you? Uh, because you have what they want. And and how do you not get stale? You know, and I, I just kind of like how he's he's kind of talking about how he's just, you know, will that happen to him? Won't that happen to him? He's not going to let that happen. So I, I just kind of like the I mean, it's a great fucking song. Uh, you know, I, I this is one of my top. I kind of go back and forth between uh, this. You don't know. And um, track two. Uh, in, in terms of of the ones that I just fucking love takeover, but uh, it, it's just it's just so good um, and, and just kind of says so much about where his mind is in terms of his career and not not finding a way to rest on what he's done. Agreed. That's well said. Uh, Mr. Yeah, I, I love this song. This is one of my favorite Jay-Z songs of all time. And uh for the listeners at home, so myself and my fellow co-hosts, we have a group chat. And a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to this album and this song in particular. I took a screenshot of it, sent it to these guys, and I was like, this is so fucking soulful. Like that is mm. like the best word to describe this song. From the beat to the story and the lyrics. I mean, it, it's really the story of his rise to the top and explaining how that success has changed the way that people look at him, whether they were friends, whether they were enemies, how that compares to others that paved the way for him previously, as Dave mentioned. And it's, it just, it, he basically dismisses everyone and say, look, man, I'm doing it my way. I'm at the top of the food chain now. One of my favorite lyrics is look scrapper. I got nephews to look after. I'm not looking at you dudes. I'm looking past you. Like all the static you're giving me is fine, all well and good, but I don't fucking care because I'm going to get mine, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the track, just the, the production of the track is so good. And when the beat drops out towards the end and it's just the vocal and the clapping, like it just hits you, man. It's so good. Yeah. When I think of this album, I think of that song almost immediately. Yep. Uh, and that's definitely not a bad thing. Uh, so speaking of not a bad thing, but not a great thing. So this song never changed. Uh, if there was like the one song I probably liked the least, but not like because it's a bad song. I'm not like as I've gotten older, I've come to respect it. Never Change is actually a really cool song for what he's saying. You know, this is like a very much like an open, like a, like a journal uh, entry, you know, where he is, where he was, rather, where he feels like he still is. I, I have no uh, thoughts of any particular rapper who talks about, you know, gangbanging or selling drugs or whatever the bullshit they get into. How much of it is true, but there's always some exaggeration 
Um, and you kind of know that you kind of embrace that. Everybody kind of knows that. Um, this song, I never really dug it uh, totally because I don't like the idea of this dude being this real fucking rich guy who's like a famous dude. He's on BET and VH1 and MTVs at the Emmys at the Oscars. He's, he's everywhere. But I still fuck with crime because crime pays. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, I guess. Sure, man. Um, hmm. But I kind of, I, but I, as I listen to it again, you know, more recently for this show, I started thinking about it in a different context as this isn't necessarily maybe him speaking like in a present tense. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just like a, his mindset eight years previously, 10 years previously. I don't really know, but I mean, lyrically the song's great. Um, like where he says like, you know, well, fuck y'all. I needed money for Atari. Was so young, my, so young, my big sister was still playing with, with Barbie. That's heavy as shit. Like, if that is in fact even remotely accurate, that is both heavy and that's fucking sad, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the song tells a really interesting story. I just don't really dig the song that much. But I think lyrically, the song is really good. Um, but anyhow, Mr. Brown, where you at on this? Oh, no, I uh, I'm with you 100%. I never interpreted this as him in 2001 rapping about his 2001. I think it's more of a when you're sitting there on the precipice than Che is as he's writing this record. You know, either he's just going to be an, another pretty successful rapper that joins the run of the mill, or he's going to break out, right? And then either it's either up to the moon for the rest of his life or into obscurity eventually. So this is a moment to reflect on where he was at a point in his life fucking with crime um so i mean as far as we talked about this there's no bottom to this record but there's middle points to this record and i i would i would throw this song on there i do love the lyric though give him money to eat the next week he's broke because when you sleep he's reaching for your throat like that's Mm -hmm. just the idea about the the amount of people that want to pull you down use you to lift themselves up but when they're desperate they'll pull you down in a heartbeat right and that's that's that was his reality and for a lot of times dave just gave birth but other than that <laughs> sorry no that's okay it's all good, man. i get that i that I, or... I have a i have a different setup here and it's not uh you know i don't have the mouse and everything hooked up so my my apologies there. that's okay i'm i'm leaving this in just so the internet knows how i feel about you <laughs> but moving along i think this is a uh i, I it's a perfectly good song uh, on any other record that happens before this, you could put this one in there and it would feel good and it might even stand out more. But on this record, after the last three songs, uh, it would it would take a special song to keep the streak going. So I respect it. I respect where he's coming from. I never looked at it as Rich Ass Jay was trying to tell us that he's still committing crimes because he's not, not directly, not enough that he wants to brag about it. He's in the middle of two court cases when he's right recording this album he's not going to admit to anything else that he doesn't need to but yeah could could leave it on the table yeah, for sure mr vandegrift yeah i think uh so this is one of the few slow jams mm-hmm. on the album and you know coming off the high of part of the city it's hard to follow that um especially with a song where he's talking about all the things he didn't did in his past and how that's still him. Although in reality, that's not him. I think it's more introspective in terms of, all right, this is where I came from to where I am now. Uh, it's an okay song. It's 
at the bottom of the list for me in terms of the overall album but there there is one lyric that i love in this song it says i'll never change this is always me from the womb to the tomb from now to my doom mm. that shit's deep <laughs> it is man. it is that is what about you mac how do you how you digging just change? just take the sound clip of what jeff just said <laughs> and just play it right back fucking over because that's exactly I'm sitting here kind of fucking queued up and I'm like, nobody said it. So I'm ready. Good to go. And then fucking Jeff just goes, you know, I just have this. I never change. This is always me from the womb to the tomb from now to my mother. Like, I'm just flicking you off, too. And also, yeah. Noah, uh, just for you <coughs> again. Oh, so I'm yeah. nice of you. actually Can you yeah. not- turn your head for that. Just so every- <laughs> I got just one so hand knows. down, just making sure. That wasn't a cough. That was just Dave's dusty vagina queefing. Into the oh, it's listen, man. It's been a dry day. All right. It's just there's little there's a little puff of sand that just kind of came up. It sounded like just a dry old man cough, but That's out of why, my but out of my taint. Everybody knows that you basically take a jello mix and you only put 20 percent of the water in and then you use a car funnel. And you get creative. That's how you keep it moist. Listen, I mean, I listen, you're 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 completely off when you talk about using Jello. I try to take those Lipton cup soup packets ah. and just just this in just the seasoning because it just kind of gives it a nice little nice little tang <laughs> down there. I thought it. you were going to go with the extra noodles. Uh, and that's for my asshole, you know. So, ah. when you fa- so when I fart, it's like sprinkles are coming out, and people are like, "Oh, what is that?" That extra crunch factor that really kind of yeah, it, it's things. it gives you it gives you a little bit of something extra sturdy to sit on too when you sit down on like a on like a hard surface. This so. has been this has been another episode of vaginal maintenance <laughs> by nothing good. Yeah, <laughs> what, what clearly what ex- we are not experts at and <laughs> what experts of it we are. Um, oh. So listening to everything you guys said, I, I think I think it's just his mindset. You know when you when you have a certain type of mentality that has, you know, led you to where you are and for Jay-Z, it's been obvious success, you know, and you hit a level of success. Do you change that? Or do you just try to keep that, that mentality of what you got, you got you there. And that's kind of what I I think about the song a lot. It's not necessarily about, you know, I think reflecting or, or saying that, Hey, I'm still doing this stuff. It's just that my mindset is the same as it was then I'm hustling, I'm fucking working. I'm protecting the people that helped got me there. You know, there's there's just a lot of that, you know, who I am in spite of the success, in spite of where I'm still trying to go. I'm still that same person. I still have that same mentality to keep pushing, to keep working. And that, that's always kind of how I, I looked at this song. Uh, and that, and that, that, li- that lyric, I never change. This is always me. So, you know, whether it's him selling crack, if it's him sitting courtside at a fucking Brooklyn Nets game, you know, the mentality that got him from there to there is just a fucking, it's a steady line. It doesn't waver. It doesn't change. That's just who he is. And that's the mentality that helps him be successful. Well said. Uh, We will now move on to Song Cry, which is yet another slow fucking song on this album. Um, this is oh, by the way, that was a Kanye West song. Uh, never change. Uh, this is just Blaze. Kanye just fucking produced the shit out of this album. <laughs> he, did. he did. He really fucking did. 
He yeah. really um, he put himself like, on the map for sure. The, the song, yeah. like the album, is produced like fucking crazy. But Kanye, like every time, like this, 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 this. Oh yeah, by the way, Kanye helped produce this too. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> um, so song cry. Uh, I really like the song. I wouldn't say like I love the song, but I really dig it. Uh, I I don't feel bad for Jay Z. And, and this song, you know, I don't think he's looking for sympathy, obviously, but it's sort of like, a, well, you did the shit to yourself, obviously, sort of situation. But interestingly enough, this song is about three separate relationships, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, wonder who these ladies are. Girls, um, girls, girls. That's who it's about. Oh, fuck. That's right. <laughs> um, I think probably like the thing that sticks out the most to me is that how honest he is about the issues that he that he caused you know at no point i mean he's a little kind of like um accusatory like you know you don't leave a guy like that you don't you don't turn around and just bounce like that well again you did this to yourself you know the money changed things i love that where he's really clear like you know girls dudes i used to like beat up their boys and 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 threaten them and cut them up and now i got some money and now they're looking at me like a little differently and things are changing that goes to your head real fast you know, his other head was thinking for him. And while, although I think he won in the end with Beyonce, quite frankly, um, you know, I like the idea that he's, that the whole idea of the song is he's not, I wouldn't say like secure enough or open enough or emotionally present enough to be emotional on this track, but he's going to let these lyrics cry for him because he can't do that. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. And it's, it's actually pretty deep. Um which in itself is, is a level of emotional openness, really. Um, but uh, Mac, what'd you think of it? Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on that, Jones. Uh, you know, another bit of a I, I, I like so I got to make the song cry. You know, I, it, it says a lot of, you know, an individual has a, a certain persona and a certain level of, you know, how emotional you can be in certain situations or how you have to be able to find ways to, you know, maintain while still feeling those emotions, but not really necessarily admitting those. And I, 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 I agree with you that that's, you know, what this song's talking about is um, I got all these things going on. I've got this work that I'm doing. I've got this life that I'm living. I have work to do still, and I don't have time to feel the emotions that I probably need to feel. So this is my way of feeling them, you know, Uh, which for, you know, musicians is, is cathartic in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, when you go on tour and you're promoting this album, you're performing this. So not just, are you really putting it in the album for people to be able to listen to it in perpetuity, but when you go on stage and perform this, that's still your way of of finding peace in the you know feelings you're feeling about losing that relationship based on the change of your success and you know i'm not going to sit here and say that i've i've got any kind of personal you know experience in that realm uh you know none of us have have uh really experienced i think a level of success where it would have changed our relationships but um i i can tell you that from experiences i've had when things change in your life that you know aren't you know bad or aren't necessarily something to kind of like look down on but it still has an impact on your relationship 
and you don't necessarily understand why. Um, and if something ends because of it, then that's just another piece where, well, how do you come to terms with that? And I think the song's a good way of doing that. Agreed and well said. Um, very well said. Uh, Mr. Brown? Well, I mean, this is this is the general concept. I mean, nowadays, I, I feel very strongly that I don't think that Jay would write this song nowadays because what we know now about, uh, you know, about expressing yourself and the concept of masculinity, right? But I immediately interpreted this as, you know, um, a gangster is not supposed to show that type of emotion outwardly. So I'm going to do it through the song. And the song's all about how far that he has come up and how, how distant he's got from his, his guys, right? So uh, I think the song is incredible. I think the song is emotional. I think it's real. It's a better slow jam than its predecessor. But ultimately, I think it's, um, I mean, obviously, this, the album, it's like a roller coaster. You need to go down so you can come back up, right? And where we go yeah. with the rest of the album, uh, I think it goes there. Uh, it's a heartfelt song. It's one of those. It, he's less clever in this album and the song by design. You know what I mean? This is more expressive than especially where he was on the front half of this doing double entendre and and being so casual. This is this is still so cool and so smooth, but it's it's a chance for him to it's it's kind of a weird not hypocritical catch 22 almost you know that here he is saying i can't see the tears coming down my eyes so i gotta make the song cry and then he he, he lays himself out there like that right so it's great jam fantastic absolutely mandatory to take a stop and let breathe it in when you're listening to this album oh i 100 agree and this is just a good opportunity again this whole album is about just his thoughts right you know where he's at what he's been thinking where what what has he thought in the past what he's thinking about the future? Um, but I do agree with everything you guys have said so far. Yes, Mr. McDonald. Well, I wanted to, just before we moved on to Jeff, um, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of something Noah said really quickly, which also kind of harkens back to an episode in the archives, uh, ladies and gentlemen, about the roller coaster metaphor that you made where you have to kind of go down so you can get back up. And I think about the the immortal words of the... Um, the band Chumbawamba in tub thumping. Mm. When I get knocked down, I get up again. Never going to keep me down. Fucking hate that song. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a shitty song. You were going to roll. No, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I also wanted to make sure I said it. The music. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Jeff, what did you think? Wow, and how don't give me trouble, Wumba. How I'll could I possibly this whole thing right now? Follow that. Uh, I do have a side story about Chumba Wumba. We'll get to that another day. Thank um, God. So, yeah, it's a slow jam, but it's very melodic, and it's it's the most emotional song on the record. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, it's very sort of raw in terms of how he's expressing how he feels. Uh, in a very like intimate situation uh, with his significant other. And it, it's, it starts as like, okay, it's your fault. Like you completely fucked up. And, and, you know, I think when you reach a certain level of superstardom, you start to build up these walls, right. Where you can't, like Dave mentioned, you can't show a certain side of yourself uh, 
to the public. Yeah. Uh, and Jay-Z being an artist, he expresses himself via word. And he does that through this song. Um, but I think he, while he's like trying to pass the blame throughout the majority of the song, I think at by the end of the song, he realizes, okay, it was me who fucked up. And the last line of the last verses and more forever shit. I got to live with the fact that I did you wrong forever. Mm-hmm. Even though the previous four minutes was just him talking shit on why it wasn't his fault, but that, but then he realizes, okay, yeah, this probably was my fault. Why this all happened. I did it to myself. Um, it's a solid song. Uh, not one of my favorites, but definitely not one I'll skip over. Um, the beat is great for as slow as it is, but it's got a, a solid tone and a solid rhythm. So I dig it. Yeah. Well, for you sure. also you also get at the end of of um, of verse one, where you know, um, pretend to be heroic. That's just um, one to grow with, but deep inside, you know, so sick. Uh, it just kind of it, it puts that whole thing it, the the whole persona just is put right there on uh, right there on blast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and this is actually uh, the fourth single on the album, which came out in April of two thousand two. Fourth and final single. How about that shit? Um, all I need in this life is this song review from you, gentlemen. Uh, this is done by Bink. Uh, this is a fun song, it, and, and it's funny. Like we went all, all that slow jam, all that introspective shit, and we just swing in a totally different direction for a moment in time. Not for a long time though, because we go back to some introspection real quick after this song. Uh, but uh, all I need, I think, is a real fun song, um, I, and it's one of those. I think the placement of this song is the, is more important than the song itself. It breaks up kind of that moody emotional pit that we fall kind of fallen in at this point in the album. Uh, I think on the, on the surface level, he's saying a lot, but he's not saying a whole hell of a lot outside of what he's been saying. He said the first four songs, um, probably best part of this whole song. What I, I get a chuckle about now working in the healthcare field is where he says, I'd leave you relaxed in the hospital, looking at mash for months. Let me tell you something. Working where I work, MASH is on all the time. Mm. And Golden Girls. And uh, Gunsmoke. But MASH. MASH is on all the time. And I think that's hilarious that he's making that that shout out. Um, Mac, what would you think of uh, All I Need? Well, I think All I Need is, you know, it, it feels to me like an extension, right? Of... of you know, what we just listened to in the previous track, it's like, okay, I had this experience. I'm feeling these emotions. I'm laying them out here for you. And we all go through that period of mourning when you lose a relationship, but also at some point in time after the relationship's over, you know, you find your swagger again, you bounce back, you realize that life can be lived again. And, you know, when he's, when he's kind of talking here too about, you know, I guess I got my swagger back. You know, mama, they said I killed a man. Well, I guess I got the dagger back. Um, you know, and he's, he's just kind of, I think, kind of taking himself back that, you know, you do 
move on. And, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not looking into this the right way or anything, but that's kind of how I felt about it is that it feels like it's a nice composition to, you know, what we had in the previous song. No, I, I agree. And I think you, you, I don't think there's any wrong way to really look at most of this or really any music. It's just how you interpret it. And I don't think your interpretation is wrong. Um, uh, Mr. Brown, what'd you think? No, I would uh, second that. I think uh, all I need is a good compliment to pick us back up off of that really introspective spot, especially knowing what's coming next. It's uh, it's a kind of the pep up before we get super, uh, super wrapped up into the next song. Um, but yeah, it's like the bounce back from the downside of the song cry, right? So it's a good song. Um, I just think, I think it's interesting because he sets you in such a vibe with the down stuff, right? That you almost mm-hmm. don't want to come out of it. Uh, and you aren't expected it when it does come out of it. So I think that's, if I had one criticism to Levy on this record, and that's it. I think the vibe changes are, uh, you know, they're not sudden, right? But they're, you get into a pocket and it's so good that you don't want to come out of the pocket. Then you're used to the, to the new pocket and then it pulls you right back out of it. So, but it's a great song. Fantastic. Not my top five, but then again, too, there aren't, yeah. there aren't bad songs everywhere. No, no. Everything's pretty much good. It's just what's in the middle. Uh, Jeff, what'd you think? Yeah, I like this song. It you know brings the tone of everything back up. It brings the beat back up. Uh, it's sort of like a playful song on, you know, all I need is my Roka wear, my Nike Airs, mean buckets, Amadale in the club, couple of ducats, couple of chicks by my side. Like it's sort of like the sort of like the player side of Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Although what what I find really comical now looking back on it is all I need in this world of sin is me and my girlfriend. Ha ha. <laughs> and then yes. we get Bonnie and Clyde 03 once he's with Beyonce, and mm-hmm. they make a whole song where all I need in this world of sin is me and my girlfriend, which is Beyonce. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because well, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that shit full you comes know. full circle. <laughs> It really does. He really fucking won that lottery. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, Renegade. So, I, dude, this song's so good. Uh, it's so, it's it's so fun. Uh, and, and again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, typically Jay's albums get several features on, at least two or three, uh, sometimes more. To go from that and this album having one lone feature and it happens to be Slim Shady, which we covered in a previous episode. The first the music episode. Please check that out. Yeah. Um, I think the song is fantastic. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think on like a technical level, uh, Eminem absolutely fucking shredded the shit out of Jay-Z. But on a depth level, I think Jay said a whole hell of a lot more than Marshall Mathers said, uh, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, but yeah, uh, Mac, what'd you think of this? You know, 2001, I mean, Jay-Z and Eminem, who else are you going to put on this album? Mm -mm. You know, like if you're having the one person to feature and it's Eminem at, you know, approaching his pinnacle at this point in time, right? For Eminem. He was uh, um, fre- fresh off of Marshall Mathers LP too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if he's not at his peak, he's, he's right. He's right in that, you know, that sweet spot. Um, I fucking love this song. 
Uh, this is in my top five for sure. Um, and yeah, you know, Eminem is, is just amazing. I mean, it's, it's fucking fantastic. It's great. Um, yeah. What, what else can I say about it? It's, it's two people at the peak of doing what they're doing and fucking just killing it. Well said, Mr. Vandegrift. Yeah, I, I echo what everybody said thus far. I mean, this is one of my favorite songs uh, off this album, uh, off any Jay-Z album. I mean, when you have two guys at the top of their game, uh, it's it's hard to not make magic. And if you look at how the previous 11 songs went and how Jay-Z has built himself up to song 12, and then he puts Eminem on there and then he's in Eminem shadow. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking peak slim shady. Uh, D 12's devil night had just come out a couple months prior, which is a fantastic fucking album. If you haven't listened, I recommend you go listen to that, but it's so good. And their their s- styles are so contrasting that it makes it such a unique listen. But at the same time, it's like, all right, let's hurry up and get through this J verse so I can get to the Eminem verse <laughs> after the first one. Um, but it's a great song through and through. Uh, yeah. I would play that shit on repeat then and I'll play oh. it on repeat now. Easily, easily. Mr. Brown. 100%. Uh, the song has no business being on this record and being as un- incredible. And it's, it's so interesting because it's like a tale of two, two parts of the record. You have the entirety of the blueprint it's almost like, and you lift this thing out of it, and it's just like a fucking snapshot into 2001. Uh, I'm a motherfucking spiteful, delightful Eiffel. It's just an incredible imagery there. And yeah, like you guys said, it's 2001. It's it's both guys at the peak of their early part of their careers before they become, frankly, immortal uh, in Mega the stars. kind of music. Mega, unbelievable megastars never to be touched again. And this is when they're both on their way up. I mean, after this year and this era, they are who they are. And they they get to be who they are forever, no matter what anyone says. Or if they never release records for the rest of their lives here when we record this album, they'll always be on the Mount Rushmore of hip-hop, both of these guys. And they're on a track when they're both still hungry enough to really use the opportunity. So, yeah, it's fucking, uh, it's, it's legendary shit is exactly what it is. A legendary. That's probably the best way to word it. Just the I drove by the fork in the road and went straight. Fucking love that shit. Mm-hmm. It is the most accurate depiction or description of Jay Z's career and his life. Two different directions. Fuck that shit. Going straight through everything, grabbing everything on the way down, on the way up. I guess. See, I um, I, I did that in life once and ended up putting about two thousand dollars worth of damage to my car. <laughs> so oh. I mean, I get it, but I also don't get it. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> so next we're on the technically the last track on the album. Uh Blueprint Mama Loves Me. Um it's by Bank. I think that uh this song is heavy as shit. It's it's every, every Jay-Z album that I can remember and that I can think of, he has at least a song where he's like real fucking deep about his family and he speaks to them or about them. And they're usually very introspective, very honest, very raw. Uh, I think the song, when I was first listening to this album way back in the day, did not like this song. I, I, I actually I wouldn't say I hated it. I just didn't like it. I didn't vibe with it. I didn't get it. I got it, but I didn't like it. I've come to really appreciate it and his honesty, what he's trying to say. 
and what he's trying to put out there and his what it was like as a kid. And we're, you know, it, at no point is he really boasting about himself, really. He's not, this is literally just about the life he's led, his family, the people who helped him get to where he is and the most, you know, minor micro levels of his life. And I think that's really special. It's a hell of a way to end the album, honestly. It's a hell of a way to end an album on such a note. Um, but um, Mac, what'd you think? There's a lot in this song, you know, like where where you have where you have the the songs in this album where, you know, he's just talking about his life, talking about girls, talking about going to the club and, you know, all this other stuff. You you get to this track where it is um, just very, very raw, you know, even just like it hit me even just off the first line. Right. Mama loved me. Pop left me. I mean, yeah, you're 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 right. Ex- you're exposing the nerve just mm-hmm. right off the bat. And just, you know, in the song, again, it just talks a lot about how he became who he is. East Trenton grew me. Uh, Mama raised me. Pop, I miss you. God, help me forgive him. I've got some issues. I mean, you, you don't write that. Right. Unless, you know, there's some type of there's some level of catharsis you need from it. So. Um, but yeah, this, this song, uh, is, I, I really appreciate what he says. I appreciate the ode to even more about his upbringing because, you know, you talk about, well, I, I sold drugs and I did this and I did that, but this is, I think this is way more, uh, raw than, than any of that. Yeah. Agreed. It's a, it's a great song. Um, Mr. Brown. Uh, I'll, I'll go. It's Mr. Okay. Brown having technical issues but uh ah, okay yeah so i'm on the same page as you jones when i was younger i didn't really like slash appreciate the song for what it is or what it was um you know listening back now all these years later because it was typically a song i would skip past to get to what's next but uh looking back at it now i mean it's a deep song you know, you guys mentioned there's a lot going on in this song and it's not just like, yeah, I used to sell drugs and run the streets. It's like, this was my upbringing and this is what brought me to this point. It's almost, it's, it's a love letter to his family, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like if you win an Oscar for best picture, this is your fucking thank you speech, right? What if it it was a golden globe? It doesn't count. Mm -hmm doesn't count it ends friendships <laughs> <laughs> but no you know i appreciate this song a lot more now as an adult with kids uh than i did as a young adult just living freely you know without a care in the world uh it it adds another layer of perspective to it which i think is missing in a lot of music and art in general well said, man. Well said. Uh, and I, I uh, tend to agree with that, actually. I, I also, last thing I'll say about the song is that I appreciate that it's called Blueprint and the song's about the blueprint of his upbringing, a blueprint of his life yep. in a lot of ways. It's really cool. Yeah, um, so we got like two, you know, secret tracks, which I didn't know when I first got the album existed for the first, uh, I'd say, several listens. 
because I would bet the song would end, blueprint would be over. I just stop the CD, move on with my day. Little did I know <laughs> there were two <laughs> other songs on the fucking track. <laughs> Several minutes after blueprint ended, not like it was thirty seconds. It was like a few minutes later, if I remember correctly. Breathe easy, which is what? Jones. Jones didn't the didn't didn't the disc man show you that you still had like eight minutes left on the track? Listen, when the song was over, I would just pull up CD player, press stop, move on my day. I, I wasn't paying attention to that. So I'm, I'm sure it did, but I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I don't because my my CD player counted up from zero up. It didn't show me like the whole time that the track was. So like if I looked at it, I'd be like, oh, OK, there's 12 minutes here instead of four minutes. It just played through. And then there was obviously a gap between the two. So I'm with Jones. I would have cut it there as well. Yeah. See, I, I had, I had the Sony disc man that I used when I was lifeguarding um, at the swim, at the swimming pool that I worked at. And, you know, before everybody once jumped any kind of conclusions, yes, I was lifeguarding in a swimming pool. And yes, I was listening to music on a CD player because it was a pool that was five feet deep that had no kids and nobody ever went into the pool. So I had a lot of time to just kind of fuck around. Um, but yeah, my, my CD player had, it was a count up and a countdown. So like I could just hit a button and it would let you know how much time was left in the track. Uh, and, and yeah, I never got, I never got, uh, I never got caught with missing tracks. You know, I always kind of knew it was like, Oh shit, there's like another six, seven, eight minutes to this. I gotta, I gotta stay tuned and, you know, fast forward until you kind of, you kind of heard it. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I, it went well, first of all problems, I guess. Uh, but yeah, breathe easy, uh, is an excellent song. Uh, and, and these are, you know, these secret tracks, uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on them. Uh, I think they're really fucking fun. Uh, I really, really enjoy them. You know, uh, was it, uh, with the weight of the world on my shoulder? That's why they call me Hove. I'm far from being God, but I work goddamn hard. Back, yep. There you go. Fucking love it. He's in this song. He's just showing off at that point, you know, and I love it. I wish, I wish more albums did this. Um, but, uh, Mr. Brown, what'd you think of breathe easy? Oh no! Um, so I have to be the counter to Mac. I don't. I never knew there were hidden tracks at the end of this record uh, until we. St- I went back to listen to it in Spotify some year because he was off of Spotify for a long time. So I think it's mm-hmm. when when he came yeah. back what last year, right? He was I, he was all in for title mm-hmm. because that he, out well. he was making cash money off that. And then uh, and then you know they discovered it. So I I was really really happy with this and really impressed sometimes you get weird shit in those hidden tracks but i thought it was great it's uh it's so interesting that the subtitle of the song was lyrical exercise because it's exactly what it is and it hits and uh i fucking love it i thought uh, it hits its the album hits its own strive here at the end of the the record again too with blueprint and then these last two tunes so absolutely great stuff yeah mr vanagriff uh, I'm a big fan of this track. Uh, one, it gives you insight into his creative process because yeah. the way he writes or doesn't write is a lyrical exercise, right? He memorizes as much as he can. Uh, and it's just a, a solid track. It's not like overly complex um, in terms of the lyrics or anything, but Suckers get your weight up, not your hate up. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yes, damn right. 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 What'd you think, man? <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the mindset that he kind of has in this song, you know, in terms and when he's, you know, um, I jogged to the graveyard, spar in the same ring, you know, everything that we kind of have in, in, in verse one, um, you know, with the weight of the world on my shoulder, you know, I run suicide drills over and over with the weight of the world on my shoulder. That's why they call me Hova. I'm far from being God, but I work so goddamn hard. I wake up the birds, you know, just that, that, that imagery, right. You know, that's, that's like fucking Rocky type shit. And I know he references Rocky, you know, in the album as well. Uh, just, you know, he's also just with, with it being an exercise, he's also letting you know, I'm this fucking good for a reason. It's not natural. I mean, it is natural, but you know, I fucking work at it. I work really fucking hard at it. I'm working way fucking harder than any of you are doing. And that's why I'm here. And I like that. He kind of like says that in this. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. The, the song is so it's again, even the fucking extra tracks are fucking bangers. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Um, so the last track, Kanye West, uh, girls, 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 part two. And man, is this so much better than the one on the, the, the regular part of the album. Mm-hmm. I just love the fucking, the, the, the actual beat's fantastic. It has such a different feel to it. And I, I really enjoy it. And now I'll put this in layman's terms. I gave her some knowledge. She gave me brains of a ton. She had to drop out of college. Now all she does is homework. I give her in-house tutoring and not a movement through her student body union. That is perfect. That is perfect on every level. Um, I really enjoy the song, and it's unfortunate that this is the end of the damn album, but it's a hell of a journey. That's uh, what you think of girls, girls, girls. I, I feel like if I ever tried to say anything like that when I was in college, it was not going to work out the same way for me mm-hmm. as it did for Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my game was never, was never that good. Um, no, it's... Um, you know, I it's I, I don't compare it to to girls, girls, girls. You know, uh, earlier in the album, I just I just kind of almost look at it as just an extension of of that, but you know, taking it to the next level. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I I agree with you. I mean, I, I kind of want to turn it over to Noah because I know he feels strongly about this. Uh, probably anything more than I want to say. So no, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, you know toss this one over to you. <laughs> no, I think um, I think it's. A- it's the only thing I have to say that we haven't covered is that it's a goddamn travesty that this wasn't in the middle of the record and the other mm-hmm. version was, you know, because this has just so much more edge and has so much more attitude to it. And, and I'm so pissed at myself that I didn't know this was here <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous uh, is what this is. Um, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's excellent. I think it's, it's almost like to the point, and I and very few albums will give this to you, and really it's deserved, but there's so much good shit on this record that it's easy to get fatigued by the time you're getting to, on a straight listen to, and you get to this, and it's there almost like as a, uh, it, like you said, it's a shame that this is where the record is over, but in a lot of ways, it's like it begins again here, because it's easy to 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 after the whole record to be like call this and be like all right all right let me get out of my car let me go get a, a sandwich we'll get back in and on my way home i'll start this thing over again and, and and throw this into place but it's it's an incredible end to the record especially again not the hark on it but 
because I didn't know it existed until last year. So it's crazy to me. Yeah, that's so crazy <laughs> to me. You know, it's awesome. it, the it. I think it just has more to say where I think the first version of the song more objectifies. I feel like this one goes a little bit more into, you know, in the first one, it's almost like he's trying to it's it's one of every type of girl and in this one he's you almost feel like he's talking about some people that are much more specific i can get with that i can get with that jeff what'd you think yeah i i uh very much enjoy part two girls 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 although it doesn't have Bismarcky on it which is okay i i do really dig uh the female vocal uh for trying girls out um, but I, I think it's a it's a pretty cool contrast from part one to part two, whereas in the first one, he's talking about all the crazy girls that he's getting. And in this one, he's talking about what he wants, the girls that he wants to get. Um, and I, I think that's a, like a cool sort of juxtaposition of, of perspective. But uh, I always laugh or chuckle over uh, the third verse. Big ghetto booty scarf over doobie. Channel under Louie, Gucci over booty, Vicky cover titties, attitude of the city, pretty witty, girly willy, one who likes the party but comes home early. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's gets me all. every time. Gets me every that's time. That's right. <laughs> right, here, right here. Yeah. So I think it's, it's safe to say, I mean, uh, as, as a whole, as a group, we really enjoy this album and we can Absolutely. really appreciate yeah. you know, what it meant. And I, and I was just going to, you know, not going to spend a whole lot of time with it just. You know, the impact that this album had on me and my enjoyment of not just Jay-Z's music, because that really put me on a whole trajectory with his music. It, it sold me on him as an actual star uh, and as a lyricist. But it's obviously his effect on music as a whole. And he's become such an actual fucking icon, uh, not not just a rap icon, but a pop culture icon. Uh, he's a fucking monster, he's a giant, do whatever he wants. And it's pretty impressive to know that we had the option or the ability to watch his career start, you know, humbly and become who he is now. He's not even rap anymore. He's bigger than that now. And I think that's um, this album was one of the things that gave him a really big boost in that direction. Uh, what say you, Mac? Um, yeah, you know, um, I, in 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 today's day and age, you almost don't even think of Jay Z as a as a musician because that was almost a different life ago. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, true. everything that's kind of come with him—the success, the the entrepreneurship, the business sense, the business savvy. I mean, the dude's a billionaire. You know, music's a part of that. Music helped him get there, but music didn't make him a billionaire. I don't think music makes anybody a billionaire. No. Having a fucking work ethic, having having vision that other people don't have, having a mentality to just fucking grind. This album, you know, talks a lot about that in a lot of different ways. And you know, when you talk about the blueprint, the blueprint of Jay-Z, the blueprint of how you're supposed to do the game, you know, we're laying the foundation as to who he is now. You know, this is this is transitioning him, you know, for a few more years, still doing music. But, you know, the we're starting to see at this stage of his life too, uh, just the successes he's having outside of a, of a recording studio. And, you know, and even one of the tracks uh, earlier talking about the injustices of the music industry 
And, you know, he recognized and wasn't even fucking I, I, I think he was mad about it, but I also think he realized that if he was going to become who he really truly meant to be and who he wanted to be, uh, he was going to have to rise beyond music. And, you know, I think the blueprint talks about how I got from where I am to where I am now, which is ultimately then going to lead me to where I'm going. Well said. Well said. Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, you know, Jay-Z has quite the legacy. He had some good albums before the blueprint. He had some good albums after blueprint minus blueprint too. Uh, but <laughs> we don't talk about that. So but much. I think, you know, this particular album was where all the chips lined up on the table and everything came together and it changed the game, not only for him, but for hip hop, uh, it came together to be everything that it was supposed to be, you know, it from the critics to the fans, it, it was what everybody wanted from Jay-Z and everybody knew that Jay-Z was capable of. It was just the first time that he delivered on that. But at the same time, you know, it not only helped his career take off and granted he was already, his star was already rising. So he was going to keep going regardless because of his work ethic, obviously. But if you look at, from the production side, what it was able to spin off of that. I mean, if you look at, if this album didn't happen the way that it happened, would we have gotten college dropout from Kanye, which is a monumental mm. album in and of its yeah, own yeah. right. Um, For sure. And, and if you look at everything that he's contributed, that Jay-Z has contributed to business, to society, to entertainment outside of hip hop, like, he's cast a pretty broad net and made himself pretty indispensable. And there's a reason that his net worth has a B in it and not an M in it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, cause he's a fucking hustler through and through. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's cemented himself as not necessarily a pioneer of hip hop, but someone who was able to transcend from one art form to another uh, and leave not only a legacy, but one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Well said. Well, really fucking well said. Goddamn, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Noah, <laughs> any closing thoughts on this album? I mean, no. I mean, what I can't. Can you I, say? I mean, I can't. I, how much more can I say than that? I mean, uh, if you had asked me what's the top five most important hip hop albums of all time, I would be really hard pressed not to put this on there. I mean, obviously, you're always going to have the the chronic on there you know um you can make it you know all eyes on me right and then you know a lot of other incredible things that certificate right blueprint has got to be on there uh as far as incredible if not top five certainly top 10 ever not just because of how good it is uh but for what it did because after this record and as we live through the 2000s in hip-hop jay what there was a time where there were basically two in their prime rappers and they were both on this record at the same time right and it was mm -hmm. and so interesting too because i i it's hard for me to, to not think about it in terms of west coast east coast as well but um eminem being from michigan but being heavily influenced and produced by the west coast scene kind of makes him 
a hybrid and Dre never really left, right? He just went into producing and his signature has been all over stuff since then. I mean, from, from Eminem to as Snoop continued to do more stuff and you had Kendrick Lamar, right? And so, but who was left on the East coast to be the number one all time absolute person. Right. And I think that's Jay to the point where he mentioned earlier. I mean, he doesn't, he owns the team. Right. He's an owner of an NBA team and owns a stadium and can do whatever he wants. And he's married to the to Beyonce. There isn't really they haven't come up with a term to describe how successful Beyonce is because they just say Beyonce at that point. And to to tell any of us in 2001, when this record dropped, the heights that he would be able to achieve and how he would lift the entire music industry not just hip hop up is and it comes off the back of this record if this record doesn't hit as hard as it does when it does and how it does then i don't think jay is as big as he is and i think hip hop and music goes in a completely different direction and to the point where now he's not he's not like he doesn't have to release new music he's a social figure right he is american royalty to a certain point so I think in in that regard, this album will allow to stand the test of time alone on based on what it did for everybody involved. Launch Kanye West, launch Jay-Z into the stratosphere, and it just happens to be a fucking amazing record. <laughs> on top of everything else. Yeah. Well, well said, gents. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's been a hell of a ride talking to you guys about this album. I had a really good time. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode mr brown would you like to tell us about that next episode gentlemen next week is the 20th anniversary of wrestlemania 18 and for those of you that remember it well you know exactly what we're going to talk about but for those who don't know ladies and gentlemen that is when hulk hogan fights the rock and we're going to go into that in excruciating detail i'm sure <laughs> most likely uh, <laughs> But it's going to be a lot of fun because not only that, but guys, this is this is peak attitude era. It's the end of the attitude era. We do we talk about a lot of things on this show. Wrestling is just one of them. But beer God, how much more wrestling can wrestling be than WrestleMania 18? We go from a record in 2001 to the pinnacle of the 2002 wrestling scene. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Come on back next week for it. The final WWF pay per view. It's incredible. Yeah, gotta, gotta think get about to it. Let me gotta just get, they get the F out. Got to get the F out. Got to get the F out. And let me tell you about, let me just run down a couple of the names that are on the show for you. So The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Edge, Christian, Diamond Dallas Page, William Regal, Rob Van Dam, Trish Stratus, Lita, The Dudley Boys, The APA, The Hardy Boys, and of course, Billy and Chuck, and much much rick flair the motherfucking undertaker the shrinks in the show and that's like there's all, basically it is 38 hall of famers and jazz and we'll get into that a little bit later <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be a good time yeah right. no, you fun. didn't no you didn't pull anything there did you nope <laughs> not yet. Like you, you didn't you did not stretch before you rattled that off and i was a little concerned no that's okay it's uh, uh i'll get a stitch later it'll be fine uh gentlemen this was fun this was a good time Yes. So it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's always fun to review something that we're all passionate about and we're not just <laughs> shit talking. Like. That we're not just shit talking <laughs> on stuff yeah. the whole time. I it mean, feels, we're, it, we're pretty it, good at that. Jeff, it feels, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, it feels a lot less awkward. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty unanimous in terms of our overall uh, feelings and affection towards this album. So it's it's always fun, and I have a pretty good feeling that those uh, feelings are going to be the same next week when we talk about WrestleMania X Eight. Gonna yeah. be a good time. Oh, well, gents, let's uh, let's end all these people home. We talked about this record three times longer than the actual record is. So, <laughs> if this hasn't convinced Good. you to listen to it, nothing will. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please be sure to tell a friend or two to check us out. You can follow this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and much more to make sure you get the latest episodes and all of our cheeky, cheeky shenanigans. And don't forget to check us out on social media. We have our Nothing Good page on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Nothing Good Pod and at Insta at Nothing Good Podcast. And while you're there, drop us a line. Say hello. Enjoy some of our shit posting and shameless promotion, or hell, even check out our merchandise. I promise it's really sweet. We'll see you next time. Nothing good.